some of this CBS Sports MMA podcast back in your ear hole after another week still loaded, still filleth that syringe until it's runneth over with another dose of that performance enhancing audio. The Brian Campbell. Heck yeah, the voice that you hear back and ready. Like I mentioned, fired the heck up. I back. Trust me. I bet. Oh, uh, yeah. You're going to be hearing talk about that guy's name because he's back in a big way, maybe to forfeit his soul. We will get into that. But boy, do we have another big show for you today with a pair of heck yeah interviews with UFC welterweights. I'm talking about Colby Covington, the interim champion. Or is he still the interim champion? I don't know. You got to, you got to, you got to really keep notice and look closely to figure out who's still wearing those titles. He will be here to drop bombs on everybody. Along with Kamaru Usman, the red hot contender who will be back in the cage this Friday at the tough finale against former lightweight champ RDA Rafael dos Anjos. Two great chats you gotta hear. A little banter sprinkled in between. Let me bring in my man for the second straight week. You know his voice. You love this guy. The wise man himself. CBS sports writer, editor, lover of all things Chris Weidman. His name is Brandon Wise. Wise man, fired up. How are you, brother? I'm doing well. I just think that we all need to relax. We need to go sit on our couches and enjoy the week ahead, just like the man Chuck Liddell should be doing for the rest of his life, too. How dare you mention that name on this show? I guess we've got to talk about the slop, the sloppy Super Bowl theatrics that we saw on Saturday night at the Forum in Inglewood, California. Brandon, I got, I got, uh, I got, I don't, I don't really know how we're going to get into this because you know me. <laughs> the listeners know me. I live for this stuff. Hashtag old guy fights. The damn sloppy Super Bowl. This is how I get down. There's a degenerate quality inside of me that is in a lot of people. The same quality that says if I drive by a gas station where I know they got some hot dogs on the rollers, I'm probably going to go in there and eat them, even if I just ate dinner, because that's how I was raised. And in that same fashion, I like it extra sloppy in that cage. I like it when Kimbo... And that of 5,000 or first one to have a heart attack loses. I love that kind of stuff. Shamrock Gracie 4. Give me that. Del Ortiz 3, though. Are you with me? Did it, it, it went over that line of where, no, I don't want this. I didn't sign up for this. This was one word. I got one word to describe it. Sad. What do you got? Yeah, I mean, I'm there with you. That was arguably one of the worst things I think I've ever seen. I mean, that's the, you said it, that's it. <laughs> like Chuck could barely walk around the ring. He was getting walked down by Tito the whole time. And like Chuck you were saying, throw a punch. He would almost fall every time you would try to throw a punch. We talked about it before though. Like his training videos that he was posting, trying to get everybody excited. He looked so slow and it showed Tito said that he thought he was trying to bait him into like, oh, he's actually really fast still. He's good, blah, blah, blah. No. No. No, no, no. He's no, 48 no, no. and he can barely walk. Like, I I can't believe that people paid for this. I I know why people paid for it, but I still can't believe that they did. Oh, I, I'm just glad it's over and we can put this to bed. I need I need Tito to stop saying that Chuck needs to keep fighting because he doesn't. Dude, Tito said, uh, with, oh my god, Tito with that Suge Knight's, like, Source Awards speech afterwards, like, 
All you out there that are unhappy, come over to Golden Boy MMA. There's no such thing as Golden Boy MMA. There will not be a thing called Golden Boy MMA. The damn Oscar De La Hoya couldn't even show up to the press events. He's already cashing them DAZN checks with Canelo. This was a mistake. He didn't care. Did you see him at the final press conference this week? He was rubbing his hands together. He was cold. He was mispronouncing Chuck Lydell's name about a hundred times. He couldn't tell you anybody on the undercard. This was a look. I hate to be the guy, Brandon Wise, that comes in here and is like, "Oh man, this never should have happened." Where's the California State Athletic Commission? Why are they, how could anybody competently watch Liddell and give him a license? I can't. It's hard for me to be that guy because I'm the guy who gets down on this type of stuff. But Brandon Wise. This is like, hey, I signed up for that adult movie, but I didn't sign up for R. Kelly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't sign up for the for the shower that was called. Like, I, I can't go that far. This was really, really bad. Best case scenario, they would have both hurt each other and traded sloppy punches until Chuck finally got sent to hell. Unfortunately, in the end, even Tito looked really bad. Even though he was in really good shape physically, he was, like, insanely patient. Like, I mean, he knew he was going to let Chuck shoot his load, get tired, and then knock him out. But it's like, Chuck had nothing, nothing. And there was so much delusion in that damn cage where Chuck afterwards was like, oh, it was just a mistake. I made a mistake, but, you know, I still want to come back. I still proved tonight that I still have it. Bro, you ain't got nothing, okay? And that's no disrespect. You're a legend. But this obviously never should have happened. All those fights I mentioned, Shamrock Gracie 3, all those Kinbo-washed fights, those were more mixed martial arts. Shamrock Kimbo, remember that fun, sloppy mixed martial arts? That was more mixed martial arts than this. This was an old man who lost his punch resistance a decade ago that shouldn't have been in there. And I hate saying that. I shouldn't be allowed to say that, Brando. But this I, smelled bad from the beginning. I know. but the, So, again, we you don't want to talk about it, but we kind of do. Like The commission had to have seen him train at some point, right, to be like, hey, you know, he still looks okay. He can go in there and he could take a punch. He can survive. He could... He could make this interesting, you know, like how did he get the license? First of all, second of all, who is advising Chuck to think he can fight three or four more times because Dana's not doing it anymore. His wife isn't doing it anymore. How is this happening? By the way, God bless John Jones. And I don't say that too often, but did you see him on Twitter? <laughs> he was kind of like, yeah, we can be done with this whole like, you know, argument of Chuck. You know, they have had, they've had long Twitter beef and Chuck saying, all right, John, let's, let's, let's fight. Let's do it. Wow. You're right. Like, I mean, Dude, he didn't look 40, 48 in there when he started fighting. He, he seriously looked like 68. Like, it's that, it was that bad, you know? I mean, there was just, and like I said, look, Tito didn't really look that great either. And what was with the California Commission trying to get in the way of Tito's, like, dance, you know, oh, his famous dance of, uh, putting the dirt on the grave? They were, they were like, no, 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 we don't, we don't do that in this cage. What? You just, you just basically had a public death in the cage with a, with a guy who shouldn't have been in there. Let the guy dig the damn grave and let's get out of here. But I thought it was very telling that Oscar was just not present. He was there, but he was, wasn't on camera at all. He didn't go in the cage before the start of the main event. And, you know, the delusion in Tito thinking that this is only the beginning. That was a bad undercard, dude. I mean, the only thing good about that undercard was maybe that dude, uh, Duran Wynn, Daniel Cormier's, uh, boy who's, who's gonna try to get in the, UFC now. And then I thought the announced team was actually fairly solid with Todd Grisham, Frank Mir, and Rashad Evans. I think Frank Mir is savagely underrated, along with Randy Couture. Both of them could easily be on a, you know, a UFC crew right now and, and be perfectly fine. But man, I, I feel like we shouldn't talk about it again, but I feel like we won't have to. Cause I don't, what the hell's Oscar gonna do now? Just flush more money down the trip? Like, okay, it's, it's fine. They got seven to eight thousand in that arena. That's great. Uh, however they did on pay-per-view, that's fine, but 
we don't MMA doesn't need him. MMA doesn't want him. You know what GSP said? I'm not impressed by your performance. Yes, I'm not impressed by anything Golden M- Golden Boy MMA did. Stop the madness. You know, to be fair though, I think the reason that this happened was because they were able to pay enough to Chuck and Tito, and Chuck actually made more than Tito in uh, disclosed purse. He made two hundred fifty thousand, and Tito took in two hundred thousand. So maybe that's why Chuck did it, and he wanted to get that a little extra cash. But uh, yeah, I'm pretty done with What's it. What's the ceiling paying- pay per view buys here? What do you think? Four hundred thousand. What what was the final price of it again? Was it forty? Well, it was forty. Then they tried to do a, a Black Friday deal, and then they got denied by somebody who was like, "No, no, no, you can't do that." So yeah, forty was the final price. If it did over three hundred thousand, I would be surprised. I just say, you know, why was this not a Bellator fight? When Bellator, who lives for this, has no interest in it, that tells you something. I know Tito told me last week on the show it's because. You know, Oscar's got this plan to help the fighters. No, he doesn't. Okay, he doesn't. Look, Oscar's my favorite boxer of all time. I I give the guy a lot of room in his personal transgressions because I love him. But he's a shady dude. He's a, he's had his ups and downs as a boxing promoter. He doesn't belong in MMA. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Just right. Get, just get, just get away just from this sport. You don't know away. anything about it. Just wow. get away. His chin is deteriorating. No, he had no chin, Connor. Chuck had no, I mean, like, not like I'm surprised, but he had no chin. And that was sad to see. It's sad to see him take one more. I guess that's, look, that's how it's got to end for everybody. But I, I thought three knockouts in a row was enough for us there. Why, see, now I'm sounding like all soapboxy. Like, why did we do this? Even though I'm the guy who asked for this type of stuff. But I guess <laughs> I didn't ask for this. So uh, that's it. We're done. We'll never speak of it again. We saw real MMA over the weekend, though. How about this? A 6.30 a.m. UFC Beijing start time on the Fight Pass. Breakfast at Wimbledon with the fights. I always say, Brandon Wise, you're an East Coast guy, South Florida guy. Boca, stand up. Shout out. I'm a Connecticut guy. We complain, like we should, that the fights don't start. Especially those 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 FS1 UFC fight night cards with six fights in the main card and the main doesn't go on for 1 a.m. for no reason. How many times are we like, man, if we could just be on the West Coast, it could be 8 p.m. right now. We could be done with our job. No, this was like breakfast at the fights. I could get behind this, be wise. Can we smarten up as fight promoters and get this crap off of Saturday nights where you have to compete against college football and you got to put it on after midnight to try to do that? Can we have Thursday night shows? Can we have more Saturday morning cartoons, 9 a.m.? Because I'll watch Nganu Blades 2 while I'm eating my Wheaties all day. But when are, where are you going to do these fights? They have to all be in China or in Japan. Like, we can't have them in California at 6 a.m. because it'll be 3.30 a.m. out there. Fair, fair point, fair point. I think some kind of adjustments can be made. But, wow, we didn't have to wait long for this because Francis Ngannou, the damn predator, in his rematch with Curtis Blades, where a lot has changed and since they first fought in Blades' UFC debut, he brought the damn pain. What was it? 41 seconds KO, a punch to the top of the dome, and that 45. was basically it. Yeah, 45 seconds. But yes, it was a re- in the rematch, Curtis Blades didn't look any different than he did in their first fight. It was quick and violent because Kurt- Francis was literally punching him around like octagon. Like he li- he lifted Curtis off the ground at one point and then Curtis fell as Francis kept trying to swarm and finish it off before the ref finally stopped it. I feel bad for Curtis Blades in this because like 
he was a rising prospect who just caught a guy at the wrong time. Like, Francis' like back was against the wall here, and he had no other choice but to go out there and try to put on a finish, and he did it in 45 seconds. Curtis is a wrestler. If he ever gets that fight to the ground, it's probably a different story. I just feel like, and we had this argument last week where it's like, okay, Curtis Blades has really organically made himself in a position to maybe vie for a title. He had like six straight wins, but he just wasn't a guy outside of maybe that overing finish that screamed to me he could get over the hump. So I feel like this loss was almost what should have happened to him. He's a better fighter than Nganu, but Nganu has that higher ceiling because of his power. And I'm happy that Nganu reactivated that. I talked to him in the lead up to this fight, and he was very honest. He was way too aggressive against Stipe. And then to counteract that, he was way too passive against Derek Lewis. And now he's kind of trying to figure out that middle ground of who he can be. If he can figure out that middle ground, knowing his power, knowing that a certain percentage of guys, no matter how good they are, are going to fall because of that power if he lands something fairly square. It was good to see him get this comeback because three straight losses kind of would have been a death sentence. Even in a division where you, it's so thin and you can re- create yourself constantly, what would we have done with him in terms of criticism if he had lost a boring decision here? Like, it would have been over. And now suddenly, this is the kind of win that puts you right back in that title picture. Yeah, the thing is, like, I was thinking about this before. What do you do with him now? Like, he's fought Stipe. He hasn't fought DC, but I don't think DC is going to fight him no, because no, no, no. of DC's retirement plan. Do you make a Kane fight if Kane decides to come back? I, I just don't I, really know where Kane to go Stipe here. Rumors lately, right? Did you hear that Kane Stipe? Because if DC's fighting Brock, Stipe needs a big fight. Stipe Kane is like, uh, hey, let's take the belt off of DC and put it up vacant for these two because it's basically the two best heavyweights of of the era, really, outside of DC coming back in one time and, and, and taking that belt back. I mean, that'd be a phenomenal fight. If they're able to make that fight, obviously that's definitely the way to go. But I don't know. We'll see if they actually decide to go that way. I just don't know where do you put that fight. Do you put that on 235 as like a, a co-main event depending on what they make the main event? I, I just don't even know where you go with a Stipe Kane match because it's got to be a main, uh, on a pay-per-view, right? It'd be a great pay-per-view co-main with a title fight on top. Yes, it'd be a fantastic. So I, I don't know. That's my problem. And then you well, look at no, Francis going win. forward. I was going to say, if DC retires after beating Brock, maybe mm-hmm. you put, maybe you hold Stipe Kane. You tell them both, look, we're going to do this international fight week, July, for the vacant title. Mm-hmm. Sign me I up. I don't know. Sean, Sean Shelby, call me right now. I just made your match, all right? <laughs> Mick Maynard, get me on the horn right now. Joe Silva, where you at? But do you think, do you told, oh, sorry, Nate, Nate, Nate <laughs> jumping off my soundboard. Go for it, go for it. <laughs> You told me that you don't think DC actually retires after his 40th birthday, though. Well, here's what I think he does. I think he goes through with the retirement, does the talk show tour, gets the the applauds, gives up the championships, all that, and then 100% fights John Jones in a trilogy fight for big money. And I think the retirement part is also him being really smart in terms of financial leverage, because this will then be the UFC needing him more than he will need them by walking away. So he's a really smart dude. He also has been teasing some big TV offers in the meantime that he wants to explore. So let's say he explores something for six months. But you know he'll be talking to UFC waiting for that text to come through from Dana saying, hey, we're trying to plan out New Year's Eve next year. You and John, Vegas, third one, biggest fight we ever did. Ali Frazier of our industry. Make it now. And DC shows up 100%. DC shows up. Do you want to know why? I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack. 
but my dick works. My dick works. It still does, and that's something you can't forget. <laughs> Why is that your favorite job all of a sudden? It's so bizarre. It's so bizarre. So bizarre. John, I mean, but boo, anyway. boo him all you want. Boo me. I'm getting money in championship belts. What's up? Yeah, what's up, Brandon Wise? What do you got? So what leverage do you think he's actually creating at that point, though? Because if you look at the numbers from pay-per-view buys that are estimates, obviously, they haven't done the numbers that you would think with him as a main event. True. So I don't really know what kind of leverage he would create by saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to take six months off and figure this out. Oh, and then the UFC comes back. But I don't think the UFC would be like, hey, we need to give you all of the money now to come back and fight John Jones. Well, it's different, though, if he's – going after them to make the Jones fight, and they're coming after him. That automatically raises his price. And if, in the meantime, he's exploring some opportunities on TV that puts him more of a celebrity crossover, it's only going to help him. Plus, Jones will be the A-side no matter what, so it gives them time to give Jones a couple wins. I think there's, it's just a no-brainer. But the question here is, the original one, what do you do with Ngannou? Um, I'd like to run back a Lewis rematch and just be like, you guys blew it the first time. Go out there and fight. Go out there and fight. Go out there and brawl. Go out there and throw hands. No mixed martial artists at all. I'm not a martial artist. I am a fighter. Yeah, put two cage fighters in there and let's see what happens. I mean, come on. Where Wanda Rousey's fine ass at? I'd be all down for that. And so would you. Yes and no. I mean, I'm, I would be just scared of it happening again. Like, what happens if, if Lewis's back locks up again and then he can't move? I think Dana comes out beforehand and is like, look. You fight or you're gone. And I know that's ridiculous. But, I mean, I think there would be some speech given, like, we're not having a rematch of what we had the first time. Go out there and fight. Anyway, he's right on the doorstep of really getting back into the picture, no matter who you want to serve him up to. Is there any other heavyweight that was in that Blades category of, like, maybe he doesn't deserve a title shot right now, but is sort of rising? Or are we all in retread mode, right? It's a, it's a division of retreads. There's nobody who's red hot anymore, right? Well, the guy that's fighting on Saturday in uh, Australia might be. Ooh, Tuivasa. Is that what you're talking about? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And don't forget that Alistair Overeem washed a dude on the co-main in Beijing. What was the guy's name? Sergei Pavlovich. I guess a, a stay busy of Ngannou versus – oh, wait. They already did that though. Well, you could run – seriously, you can run that back as a fight night main event. Ngannou Overeem too, right? Oh, why would you do that? Why Do you just want Alistair not to have brain cells yeah. anymore? And then you actually run the risk that he does – Exposing Ganu anyway. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'm not ready for matchmaking. But Overeem, um, Overeem is just out here playing out his contract, man. We know that. Yeah, you're probably right. He's lo- he had lost like three in a row before this fight. He should work into his next deal where he can just juice again and become like the, dr- the, the Overeem from Dream and Strike Force. That guy, like, can you be that guy again? The K1 Overeem. Go back Overeem? to kickboxing. Yeah, go go call Badu Hari. Get Todd Grisham on the call for glory. Let's do that right <laughs> there. Hey, big fight was just announced, and I don't know how I feel about it. Rumors that this is the truth from ESPN's Brett Okamoto. Sorry, not rumors because Dana White was the source of the rumor that rising red-hot future star Israel Adesanya, the last style bender, the next great middleweight, maybe the next great star, will fight the once former amazing champion. He back. Trust me, he back. Anderson Silva. Wow, creative matchmaking here. February 9th. UFC 234, Melbourne, Australia, the co-main event. Here's the hook-wise. Adesanya, born in, Af- born in uh, Nigeria, but raised in New Zealand. This is the car that will be headlined by Robert Whitaker against Kelvin Gastelum with the long-term intention, or maybe short-term, of Robert Whitaker 
Israel Adesanya in an oceanic Super Bowl uh, fight we'd have to see. But holy crap, what is Adesanya Silva going to look like? I said I had mixed emotions because Silva's 43. Why can't they just make him into what he is? He's Rich Franklin 10 years ago. He's that name who's on the shelf when you need a fun old guy fighting a main event. Don't book him against Derek Brunson. Don't do anything like that. Put him against GSP where he should be. No, they're running him in there to get his soul taken. Your thoughts? I was dumbfounded on Saturday night when we found out this news because I just couldn't believe that they decided, hey, Israel is red hot right now. You know what would be good for a guy that's red hot? To just have him go take a soul from a 43-year-old man who used to be the greatest of all time in your sport. Like, he just took out Derek Brunson, like you said. Why wouldn't you give him a top five fight? To at least make people get interested in him. I don't understand well, it. I, I understand it. It's, it's commercially. It's commercially of saying, how do we think this guy's the next big thing? So what's the best thing we can do? Give him the husk of, of the kind of guy that can still bring crossover fans in, casual fans in. So they say, Oh, that guy knocked out Silva. What? And then you build toward the Whitaker fight, which obviously would do big money down there. My only question isn't from the Adesanya side. It's of the, is this the best use of what Silva has left side? Right, because we had talked about before he could he could have been the main event for 230 if they were really that desperate to get something together. They could have done that GSP Silva fight that we had talked about for so long. Yeah. I I don't know what the – like you said, I know what the goal is here, but I don't know what the best hope is for Anderson. Like Anderson did not look good against Derek Brunson. He probably lost that yes. fight. He had lost the last three fights before that too. You're going to go out there and get your ass kicked for five minutes, for probably five minutes, because I don't think he's lasting more than a round against Israel. And you're fighting a guy who grew up idolizing you. Like, that's the only thing that's going to save Anderson, I think, is that Israel loves this guy so much and has made his style after Anderson that he's not going to try and put him out quickly or prolong his injuries. I think it's going to be like, hey, I'm here just to get by you, and we're going to figure this out after. I'm going to love you after this fight's over. So you just said a few things. You said it's probably a first-round KO if he went after it. (laughs) Number two, they'll probably do that whole Teddy Atlas silent agreement thing that says, I won't finish you if you don't try to make me look bad and give me a reason to finish you. We both stay behind this line. We'll both do feathery crap, and we'll do some Anderson Silva stuff. And uh, I'll be the one who looks good in this. That's interesting. It's a, yeah. I just took I just took every side. I know. No, but it's interesting from the idea of this whole like, yeah, would he go all out to beat his idol? I mean, it's kind of like when uh, Rocky Marciano fought Wash Joe Lewis, or when even when uh, you know Larry Holmes was forced into that fight he didn't want against Muhammad Ali late. And it's like it's a tough spot to be in. Is there any? Are we missing the idea that Silva at forty three can still be competitive enough to make the best Adesanya come out and finish him spectacularly, or is this just a one? That's what I can't figure out. Silva's in a weird spot at forty three, right? Like he showed flashes against Bisping a couple years ago of brilliance. Even showed flashes late against DC in that third round when he hurt him with the kick to the stomach. But man, he looked old against Brunson. He's been out a long ass time. Do you know why he's been out a long ass time? Yeah. Usada on his back. Yeah. So, I mean, if he's still trying to, you know, get a little extra advantage every now and then and he's getting by with it, then maybe he can be competitive. I don't see him being competitive as a Usada fighter who has been taken away of his extra abilities. So that's my only thing. I I really don't see this being a competitive fight. I, I see Israel being able to go in there as the younger, more athletic fighter controlling the distance, controlling the cage, 
and pushing Anderson up against it. Maybe, hey, you know what? Maybe we get the rope adobe Anderson again for a minute and everybody gets really excited and then Israel kicks him in the head and ends the fight. Oh, see, it's going to be sad in the end. You know, we talked about Dell earlier. I, it's going to be sad in the end. That's what you don't want. I think when old guys get to a certain point, they need to be on call names for other old guy fights. I thought the Anderson Silva Derek Brunson matchmaking made no sense. I get it though. They were trying to put him in the co-main to help that awful Holly Holm Jermaine Durandamy fight that played out awful and was awful on paper sell tickets in Brooklyn. But man, I don't know. It's like unless you're gonna unless this was a scenario where everybody else was hurt and Anderson gets a big name title opportunity he doesn't deserve just because he's a big name you know what i mean let's say it was one of those somebody falls out the last second kind of like ufc 200 outside of that he doesn't need to be near a title shot and he certainly doesn't need to be near anybody young i get what they're doing here but uh but look long range we're gonna get out of sonia whitaker most likely i you got nothing bad to say about that dude that is going to be a hell yeah fight between two top young guys Borderline pound for pound, guys, if Whitaker's already not in the middle of your top ten already. Wow, that will be something. Of course, Whitaker's going to have to get through Gastelum first, but that's good matchmaking in terms of commercially in that area of the world trying to build a super fight. You need that fight. If you're UFC, you need both of these guys to get through this unscathed and then make that fight later on in the year, maybe to go back to Australia. Man, I would want to see Whitaker at Adesanya at International Fight Week, I think, though. I think that could be your quote-unquote biggest fight of the year if you can get everything to work the, the way that they want it to work. Because Whitaker has a lot of appeal in Australia, but he still hasn't really crossed over here yet. If he's able to go out there and knock out Kelvin Gastelum spectacularly, then I think he's going to get a lot more appeal here. I just don't know how you give up a chance to do that in like that big-ass stadium where Holm took Rousey soul. You know what I mean? Like, if you can do that in front of 80,000 or whatever they can fill in there, 70,000, you might take that chance. But it'll be interesting to see. I want to see that fight a lot. Hey, I, I missed this earlier. I meant to mention this. I did say I talked to Nganu last week, and I did bring up to him that how badly Dana ripped him after the loss to Lewis and talked about his out-of-control ego. Here was his response, which was interesting. He said, quote, Dana don't know nothing about me, so what he said is his problem. That is something that I learned, to not give much attention to what people say. It doesn't matter. I love that he's willing to bite back there on Dana there, because Dana was out of line after that fight to be like, oh, Lewis is fine. He's going to move on to bigger and better things, but this was all Ngannou's fault. So shout out to Francis on that, right? you got to bite back at the boss. He also said after, I want to say, the Overeem knockout, that he said Francis was going to be one of their biggest stars globally. So oh, just yeah. food for thought. Yeah, Dana totally... uh Built up somebody who wasn't that, and then stepped on the guy's grave when he proved that he wouldn't do that. Like it's it's typical Dana fashion. Let me let me ruin Woodley, hoping that uh, that hoping that the next guy can you know come over the top and take his soul. And then he does. It's just constant Dana play right there. But all right, another thing that we saw in the news cycle this week was Habib has finally spoken in Russia. What was this? Some kind of marketing event? He's uh, got a new sponsor. So it was a sponsorship event, but it gave an opportunity this week for Habib to run his mouth a little bit. So here's, yeah, for Gorilla Energy Drinks. So here's the uh, the headline that grabbed people was that he thinks there could be reconciliation one day between him and McGregor. And that's certainly anti to what he had been saying and what Connor had been saying all along when he was basically like, it's never over. The war is never over. I'm sure, Brandon, you heard uh, Ali Abdelaziz, Habib's uh, 
you know, advisor and manager on the Ariel Hawani ESPN show where he was like, no, it's never going to be over between these guys. So that was interesting to say, quote, this was Habib talking. Who are we not to forgive one another when the almighty forgives us? Hey, pretty deep stuff right there. I may have to put that into consideration and how I look at Chris Weidman. (laughs) Whatever. He's such a religious guy, though, that this doesn't really surprise me. He's always he's a devout Muslim that he always puts God first and puts his beliefs first. So that really I mean, it's big of him, but it doesn't surprise me. But you can't be happy about what came next from this conversation. Habib's not interested in the UFC's best laid plans of a Tony Ferguson fight for the fourth time. He wants Floyd. You know, Risen Fighting Federation's Floyd Mayweather. Here's your quote. For legacy and in the sense of the money aspect and in a sporting sense, I think the Mayweather fight is much more interesting. (sighs) Yep. All right. How do we stop that? How do we stop that fight from happening? Because it's bad for everyone but the bank accounts of the both of the both of them. It's bad for everyone else. Fans, everyone. Fans of both sports. It's not good for Dana and company. So how does Dana stop that where he didn't stop Connor? And again, look, here's the deal on Mayweather McGregor. Why do you think guys like me were on the street corner with signs saying it'll never happen? Because it made no sense for Dana and company to allow their biggest star to go into an arena in which they were not in control and he was definitely going to lose. In the end, they realized smartly and deftly that there's so much money at stake and that they can get a piece of that pie so let's work with Connor rather than against him. We know what happened next, although they did lose Connor for two years by allowing that decision ultimately. You can't do that with Habib. You can't. You can't because it's not going to be the same thing. It's going to be a bastardized version. Will Dana step in and end this talk? Will he? He has to. He's He has to. He. I mean, we both know what this is with Khabib saying this. It's all about negotiation leverage because he doesn't feel like he's been getting paid enough to begin with. So if this is his way of saying, hey, Dana, come talk to us. We need to come make a deal. That's the only way that this is going to happen because Khabib needs to fight Tony Ferguson. Like we've been talking about this for more than five years now. This fight needs to happen. And for this fight to happen, Khabib needs to be paid correctly. Like he needs to get Nate Diaz money, man. Make that happen. (laughs) There's no way you did not make enough money off of 229 to not pay him for his next fight. Yeah, give him There's that no way. million back that you're holding, Vegas Commission. Because guess what? Spoiler alert. You're not going to drop the book on him. You're not going to throw it at him. You're not going to do anything because you never punished Connor in April. And I know the two incidents are not connected, and we're talking about separate state commissions. But everybody's in the business of making money. And if you are, you're going to let these guys go. But that's interesting that you see it completely as a strategic move. He seems to be smart in that regard and has always been smart in that regard. Has always, remember he threatened in, what was it, 2015 to, uh, if he didn't get the title shot against Connor to, uh, never retire. Fight, retire, never fight for them again, never allow UFC into Moscow, which at that time was a big goal for them. And then they did it anyway with that bastardized card. Who was in the main event of that? That was, uh, our boy Alexi Olenek. Yeah. Yeah. All right. This is number one bullshit. Uh, all right. Uh, so yeah, much ado about nothing really there from Habib's words. But, uh, let's get those words out of the way and let's get into a guy who can really talk. CBS Sports' own Brandon Wise caught up with Colby Covington this past week at, where? At the ATT gym? 
were you guys having a yep. having a brew, having a kamach chat together? What, what were you guys doing? Uh, in a very smelly gym room that nobody had cleaned before we got there. All right, he's a he's a very flamboyant quote. Certainly, some fun and questionable language coming your way. So buckle up, Colby Covington, coming at you. Enjoy. We're getting to that point, huh? Tyron's gonna be up here. Yeah, Tyron, he's got nowhere to go now, man. So, do you have any idea when that'll be? I don't have an exact date, but you know, I know it's gonna be in the first quarter of next year. They yeah. Do, they do uh, one pay per view a month, so. There's a pay-per-view January 26th in California that they've been talking about, but he's already trying to back out of that one. So, you know, but what's new? You know, he's been backing out of every fight with me. So I'm actually really hoping it's March 3rd in Vegas. That would be like an ideal day for me. And Las Vegas is by the capital of the world. California, they take 30% in taxes. So I won't be mad if he ducks me in California because then I'll <laughs> see him in Vegas. Well, you could also bring it down here. That's true. Then you don't have to worry about that either. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan, man. Bring bring the UFC back to Florida, you know, sell out, sell out arena in Miami, maybe like American Airlines Arena or something like yeah. that. If you do 235, don't you think that might be the uh, DC Brock card too? Yeah, yeah, that's what they've been talking about, and that's what kind of sucks is that they're not going to let any other champions on that card because hmm. they don't want anybody to get paid off Brock's name because he's, he's going to draw a lot of pay-per-views, so they don't want anybody else to get paid, so... It'll kind of be like the Connor thing when Connor fought. He didn't let any other champions on his card. Is it just because they're paying him that much? It's not that they're paying him. The money's coming from the pay-per-views. So right. when they sell a million pay-per-views, he's got this contract. I get $5 for pay-per-views. So that's $5 million just in pay-per-views. Right. So he doesn't want anybody to get paid off of the pay-per-view points is what they call them, pay-per-view points. Right. So Brock wants that. Not It's not Dana saying that. Actually, it's Dana. He just doesn't want any other fighters to get paid off of Brock's Right, Publicity but that's weird paid. though because like two at two hundred, he was like the third fight, and there were two title fights that were supposed to happen. Yeah, right. So that that's odd that he would have that as a stipulation. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> Just because, and they've also been doing they've been stacking these title fights on every pay per view that they yeah. can. Yeah, but those other pay per view title fights, you know, those those weren't really like a lot of fighters that like are known promotion and, and pay per view sellers, you know. Yeah, they're they're selling a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand buys. That's like the average right now because everybody's streaming these days. So. Yeah, definitely. It's sad. So, obviously, now you're going to get your chance at Tyron. Now that he had his chance against Darren Till, how did you feel about that whole scenario and how that all played out? Uh, you know, it was unfortunate. I thought it was uh, it w- it wasn't fair to me. You know, I just fought a month before, and they wanted me to turn around and fight another five round world title fight on a month's notice. You know, you just. You don't rush into stuff like that. So, you know, I had a sinus issue. I had to get taken care of. I had to get a sinus surgery. So that was very important, you know. I, you know, I had a lot of uh, mucus that was draining, like, from my nose down into my lungs. So I wasn't, like, getting full breaths. In it. And it just, you know, I, it was important that I got that surgery taken care of. So it sucked because I was like, hey, let me get the surgery. All I need is, like, an extra month to get healthy. I'll fight you in Madison Square Garden. But he didn't want to fight me in Madison Square Garden. He, he's like, no, I want to fight. I'll take the next guy up, Darren Till, because he knows it's an easier style matchup. It's, it's a guy he can strike with who he's athletic. He's got the wrestling advantage. When he fights me, he's not going to have the wrestling advantage. He's not going to have the cardio advantage, and, and he knows these things. So he's trying to switch. He's trying to pick and choose his way. What did you think about that, though? Because, <clears throat> you had, like you said, you fought at 225 in Chicago, and then they asked you to fight again almost like a month and a half, two months later. They just did the same thing with Derek Lewis after 229 with the quick turnaround for 230. Is there any reason for that? 
Like, did, yeah. is it just? Did they think that yeah. it's going to sell better that way? No, it's they keep putting themselves in in a, a bad booking way. You know, they're not booking the right fights. You know, and then and then their fights are falling through, and then they need to scramble to put a fight together last minute so they can sell their pay per view. So. Mm-hmm. It's not any of the fighters' fault. It's the matchmakers' fault. You know, it's the guys that you know they're not planning their schedule out. You guys got to plan your schedule out. Have your pay per view. Your your world title fights that are going to be here. You can't just rush last minute and expect us to be ready on a month's notice. But in Derek Lewis's case, you know, it's a little different. You know, he's he's a contender and he's working his way up. You know, I was already I was interim champion. You know, mm-hmm. so it's different for a champion versus you know. My wrist rewards are different than his wrist rewards. He right. needs to come out and fight. He's a contender. He has to earn his way. I don't need to, man. I'll, I'll get healthy and I'll fight when on my terms when I'm healthy. Has the UFC actually stripped you of that title? No, they haven't stripped me. If you go on the UFC website, I'm still the interim champion. They, they were talking about it, but then they realized, you know, it was unethical. You know, you, how can you strip me? I just fought, if you, just back in June, what is that, five months ago, mm-hmm. you know? So it didn't make any sense for them to strip me in the first place. And now we're going to unify the belts with me and Woodley. Have you done anything fun with the belts? I know you posted about you got to meet President Trump, and then you went to the Air Force Base, I believe, right? And yeah. What other th- like fun things have you been able to do with it? Yeah, I've been doing all kinds of stuff with it. You know, I brought it to the you know the Army bases, the Air Force bases, at Joint Base Langley, Eustis, and they're a joint base with the uh, Army and Air Force. So I got to go take it on all the the crazy like planes that fly in war. You know, like the stealth planes that go in like crazy stealth mode, and got to go to the Army, give it to them, and. Of course, you know, every chick that I've been with has wanted me to put it on while, while they were straddling me, so that's always, that's always fun. But Did you did you take it with you to the club? To the club? No, nah, I didn't take it. With me. I don't want to draw that type of attention, you know, because I notice anytime I have it on or, like, I have it in public, people just swarm to me and they want right. to take a picture. Even if they don't know me and, like, know UFC, right. they're just, just the bell is, like, such a attention grabber, like... Yeah. I don't want that type of tension in, in public. <laughs> have you ever, has anybody outside, like, if you're out at a restaurant or something, has anybody ever tried to step to you and not realize that you're a UFC fighter? Yeah, a couple times. Like, actually, it usually happens when I'm playing poker. Really? Like, I play poker, and, like, and I'll beat guys in a tournament, and they'll get fucking mad. They'll stand up, hey, motherfucker, like, stand up right now, let's go outside. I'm like, really, dude? Like, <laughs> like are you stupid, man? Do you know what I can do? I can end your life with my bare hands. <laughs> But, of course, I'm a prize fighter, so anytime anybody says something, even in the streets, and tries to step to me, you know, I avoid the situation. I'm like, okay, man, I'll be the bigger man. I'll take the high road, you know. I'll be right. like, okay, man, you're tough, man. You're tougher than me, man, whatever. I'm sorry, man. Even if I didn't do wrong, I'll be like, I'm sorry, man. I'm fighting for prizes, man. If, if you're going to fight me, if there's going to be a seven-figure paycheck on the line. <laughs> but they, And they've never, like, swung at you, and you had to just put them down on the ground, like, hey, just get the hell away from me, like. Nah. <laughs> Just because I don't, I don't go out to clubs. You know, I don't, I don't drink. I, I don't put myself in situations like that. And I think that's important. Is when you're, you know, in a role like I am now. You know, I'm, I'm a champion, and, and I'm getting more well known every single day. Is I gotta watch my back, and I gotta be smart. So these days, I'm just a homebody, and, and I stay away from the drama. What do you think has been your easiest fight so far in the UFC? My easiest fight, probably. Uh, Or who, who did you go into the fight with thinking, hey, this guy might actually give me a test, and then you realize once you got in, like, yeah. this guy ain't nothing? Yeah, probably Damian Maya. You know, he was he had all the high he beat seven guys in the division, beat Carlos Khan and Matt Brown, choked him out, made made him look bad, and then, and then you know, he really only landed one punch on me, and, and that was it, you know? And, and just the, the arena and the atmosphere that day was just insane. It was electric, the Brazilian crowd, because it was in his hometown, so... 
You know, I expected in the, I remember in the locker room I was like the first time I'd been nervous. I usually don't get nervous before fights, but I just had this feeling in my stomach like, damn, I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know if it was the crowd and the Brazilians, but that that fight I was a little nervous, but then I went in and I mean I came out pretty much unscathed. I mean he landed one punch on me and I mean I left him in a pool of blood and he was pretty much unconscious at the end of the third round, so did you is that and then obviously you had the big quote at the end of it. Was that kind of like an adrenaline dump? Just like I feel so good right now. I just need to get this out. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and it was it was more getting it out because I wanted to play back into what the crowd was playing with me all week. All week they're they're saying, "Oh, I fucked your mother," you know, throwing beer at me as I'm walking out. Oh, you will die. You know, you don't hear chance in America where you say you will die. You know, like like imagine if that was going on at basketball games right. or NFL games. Like that's you, you don't do that. So, you know, if you're gonna dish it, you have to be able to take it. So, you know, that's why I gave it to him after you know. I, Put it in Damian Maya. <laughs> so after you get done with the Tyron Woodley fight, let's say you get through this, you're the new champion. Who's the first person that you want to fight after that? Uh, first person, probably GSP. Yeah. Just because, uh, you know, people think he's the greatest welterweight of all time. But, you know, I just, I think that during his time, he was fighting a lot of low-level guys that, that weren't very good, weren't very well-rounded. So, you know, I'd like to to fight him just to kind of cement my legacy and show that I think I'm the greatest welterweight of all time. And, and if not him, then definitely Khabib. You know, he's missed weight at 155, so he's been... His dad was talking shit after I beat RDA. He was like, oh, Khabib beat RDA worse than, than Colby did. And I was like, dude, you beat him in three rounds, and I destroyed him for five rounds. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So Khabib's kind of been talking a little crap, you know, or his dad anyways. And he's been saying that he might go to welterweight, so he's in a little boy's weight class at lightweight. So we'll come up to a man's weight class in welterweight, and I'll show Khabib who the real man is. Do you think that there is going to be a 165 at some point, just with everything that's been going on with people struggling with this weight cut that seems to be something that should be easy to take care of, but it continues to be a problem? Yeah, I think there's a strong possibility because in between 155 and 170 is like the most amount of fighters that are on the UFC roster. There's like 150 guys at welterweight, 155 at, at 155. So... I think it makes sense to put a weight class in between just because there's 15 pounds in the in the gap. So, you know, to be honest, I'm probably more of a lightweight than I am welterweight, but I fight welterweight because I'm not going to cut all that weight to 55, you know, and like Khabib does. He cuts a lot of weight. You know, he walks around probably the same amount as me, about 180, but I'm not going to cut 20 or uh, 25 pounds to get to 155. I'll just cut 10 pounds, you know, and feel good and have my energy for 170, so... I think it's realistic that they do add another weight class, and it just brings more traffic and generates, you know, having another champion in the UFC is, is never a bad thing for the UFC as a selling point. Right. And I, it's, it would just be, again, to avoid these, like, scenarios where people are cutting 20 pounds in a week. Like, last Friday, Cynthia Calvillo, she was really struggling when she stepped up on the scale, and it looked like she might pass out. Like, I just don't understand how they can't figure out a way to manage this, you know? Yeah. Like, you have a nutritionist here... But it's like, there has to be somewhere where the commission steps in and be like, hey, this is what you guys have to do now to make this work. Yeah, I mean, I see both sides, you know. I feel like a lot of it's on the fighters, you know. She has a weight class that's right above her, 125. So she's cutting all that weight to 115, go up 10 pounds, you know. why? I think it's on the fighter, you know. It's her decision to go to 115. She could feel great and go to 125, you know. She's realistically has a body more for 125, so... 
I think it's on the fighters, man. All these guys, they think that cutting all this weight is going to give them a big advantage in the cage. They think that, oh, I'm the bigger guy in the cage, so I'm going to be better. But that's not how it is, man. It's, you got to have energy. that you got to feel good. You know, like some of these guys I see in here at American Top Team, they're so focused on cutting weight that they're not focused on skills and getting better. And and that's that's why I've passed up every make leaps and bounds over the field because I'm not cutting weight. I come in here every day and I, and I have an emphasis on improving and working on my skills. All these other guys are in freaking plastics, they're in sweatshirts, they're just worried about cutting weight. So I think that's a myth that just because you're the bigger guy in the octagon, you're going to be a better fighter. Definitely. Now, you've obviously gotten your social media presence has increased infinitely since you started to get more bigger fights. Um, ben Askren is starting to call people out now that he's jumping over. What are your thoughts on him? Oh, Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> You know, to be honest, he's a 34-year-old virgin. You know, he's never beat... It'd be criminal to let the UFC let him fight me because he's never beat anybody in the top 50 in the world. You know, he's beaten a bunch of cans over in Asia, guys that shouldn't even be fighting, guys that probably been fighting for a year because, you know, in Asia, it's just they're behind times for as far as MMA and training and coaches. So, you know, he can't even put 10 people in a bingo hall in Asia. How's he going to How's he gonna compete with me? I just sold out the United Center where Michael Jordan played in Chicago. I had 20,000 fans on their on their feet screaming for me in the RDA fight. So, you know, Ben can say whatever he wants. You know, he, it's an easy fight for me. He's one-dimensional. He's scared to get hit in the face. Like, you can't come to the UFC and expect and be scared to get hit in the face because that's going to be lights out for you. So... You know, all he's one dimensional. All he does is wrestle. You know, my teammate Luis Sapo was beating the shit out of him. He was gonna finish him, and then and then Ben had to poke him, and, and he and he got disqualified. So, you know, I don't really have much about Ben. You know, win some fights. You know, if you win some meaningful fights and become a draw, then dude, I'll be calling you out. But I'm not gonna call you out. I'm at the top of the mountain. You're at the bottom of the mountain. You gotta work your way up. I'm not gonna give you a hand up. You gotta earn your way up. Just like me, I earned my way up. I beat three top five fighters in a row in my last three fights. So. You know, now now it's time for bigger and better things. I got Tyra Woodley to worry about, and, and then I got, you know, Connor, Khabib, and GSP, those type of names that are next. What did you think about that, how that all worked out, where we had one of the best, arguably one of the best pound-for-pound -pound fighters <laughs> in the world who just decided, I'm going to go fight in Asia, and then Asia sends back Ben Askren. What did you think of that? Did you did you consider Demetrius one of the pound-for-pound -pound best? To be honest, I, I don't consider Demetrius one of the pound-for-pound -pound best just because 125 is such a weak weight class. I mean, I, you know, I hate to be a dick, but it's just the guys in the weight class, you know, there's not a lot of guys in the world that walk around at 125 pounds. You know, if you're talking about the the normal weight for an average man that walks around the world, he's probably like 180, 190, or 200 even, you know. So it's just the, the division was, was weak, and, and it didn't sell, you know. So, you know, on the other side, though, Ben should be, you know, he shouldn't be acting like he's so tough. He just got traded for a midget, you know? Like, you got traded for a midget, man. They, they traded you over for a midget. You're not that tough, you know, and they don't care about you. They just wanted to get rid of Demetrius because he didn't sell. Bottom line, Demetrius Johnson did not sell fights. He didn't know how to promote himself. He didn't know how to how to market, and, and no one cared about him. If you put him on a pay-per-view, he wouldn't sell 100,000 pay-per-views. He probably wouldn't sell 50,000, so... You know, it, it made sense, and, uh, you know, they kind of got something back for it, but I think they just, you know, they're ready to dump the division because there's not a lot of talent, and it's not a deep weight class. Do you think that they're going to make more of these kind of deals in the future where they get some of the guys from Bellator or even uh, PFL? Yeah, I don't think Bellator. I think Bellator and UFC are, like, direct rivals, so they, like, hate each other, and 
they're not gonna like be doing business together with each other. Dana doesn't like Scott that yeah, much. <laughs> Dana hates Scott Coker and and uh, Viacom, which is owned by Bellator. You know, I'm sure they're not friendly with uh, Zufa and, and well, it's not Zufa now. Now it's uh, WMEIMG. Yeah. I'm sure they're not they're not gonna be business partners with them. But but maybe with like PFL, I could see something or uh, yeah, one FC or or one of the shows in Japan, Risen or something. But uh, I don't know. This is a crazy day for history. Trading fighters and shit. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Now, the last time we spoke, you mentioned how the rivalry between you and Tyron had kind of heated up when you guys were still training here. Has it continued in the build-up after he beat Darren Till? No, he he had a chance to make this fight so much bigger than it was. You know, I've done my job. I, I brought this fight to the light. You know, I've been talking about Tyron Woodley for two years. You know, after every fight, I've called his name, said he got, you know, he's lazy. He gets tired just watching me fight. So, you know, we've been training since the day we trained about four years ago. You know, he, he knew we were going to run into each other. He knew we were going to fight. So, you know, I've been building this fight by myself. And I could buy, I could build a fight with a mop. And by the way, that mop would have more charisma than Tyron Woodley. But Tyron Woodley has not built this fight. He fought Darren Till. He had a fight, chance to make this fight bigger. And he's out there plugging his rap album. Come on, man. Dude, your rap album, no one wants to hear you rap, dude. I'll, I'll, and, and let's be honest. He, he named his rap album, I'll Eat Yo Ass. Like, come on, dude. Like, you're not hood. You're not gangster. Like, I'll eat your ass. Like, come on, man. That's like, that's so played out. So he had a, he had a chance to make this fight bigger. And, and he, you know, he got scared. He didn't want to say my name. But that's the thing with Woodley. He, he doesn't want to say my name. He goes on these interviews with like Rogan or Aaron Hawani. He's like, we're not going to talk about Colby Covington. If you say Colby's name, I, w- I won't give you an interview ever again. So he's making this fight smaller than it could be. It could be huge. It could be the red versus blue side because he's a liberal. I'm a Republican. You know, I'm Trump. He's that Hollywood liberal soy boy. So this fight is going to be big. It's going to sell. You know, this is a demographic that's going to hit. It's, it's obviously going to hit, you know, the blacks versus the whites. That's what it's going to feel like, even though, you know, it's not a race thing. It's just, you know, that's just what people kind of draw to the sides from, from, from I'm being Trump's side. They think I'm racist and, and he's on the liberal side. So... They think he's a, a hood rat, you know. So, you know, he could have made this fight literally ten times bigger, but he doesn't want to say my name. So, you know, I'll build the fight by myself. I'll sell the fight by myself. I'll market the fight by myself. I know what I need to do. I'll bring him to the promised land, and then I'm going to bury him there. Oh, be wise. So Colby never disappoints from the idea of throwing everyone under the bus. But were you surprised that this was a chilled out, almost bro version of Colby and not the whole completely pro wrestling MAGA side of him? I thought that was the most interesting part was that he just seemed really in tune with everything that's going on. I didn't really bait him, so to speak, into turning into the wrestling heel character, but he seemed pretty with it. Like, hey, I know what I need to do to get this fight with Tyron and I know that it's next. It's just on UFC now to figure out when they want to make this happen. He seems like the kind of guy who knows every every word that comes out of his mouth is going to start something, and he knows when to put it on. So I think he knew going into the to my chat with him that I need to just kind of chill out and relax for a little bit. I Nothing needs to be said now to make the fight happen. It's going to happen, so there's no need in, in pushing the envelope, so to speak. That's fair enough. It, uh, look, I think the whole him talking is a complete game and act he has the most artificial of all the guys who can really sell fights and really talk 
It's very pro wrestling inspired. It seems very fake. He is witty. He is funny. He does know how to push that button to get you upset. But, uh, you know, he was talking almost matter of fact. It was almost like you guys were two bros at the bar there talking about when he could return, when it might happen. Interesting little nuggets he dropped about people not wanting other stars on their pay-per-view card to not steal some of the points there, which makes a lot of sense business-wise. But, uh, yeah, um, that fight with Woodley is going to be really fun. We need to see that. We need nothing to get in the way. We need the full backstory played up sensationally, and we need to see what happens in that fight. And... um little early spoiler for you. What is going to send your boy to hell, all right? My boy. My boy. Why is he my boy? <laughs> no. That that would be an interesting fight. It would be interesting I've... to see what his motor does, but he doesn't have the weapons Tyron has, and you know this, and he probably knows that deep inside. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. The only way he wins this fight is if he is turns into that old-school GSP that we've talked about before with his style, where he's able to just grind it out take Tyron down and ground and pound as much as he can for five uh, for 25 minutes yeah, it's because it's a big ask but it's yeah. interesting i mean look i didn't think he was going to be able to do the things he did against maya and rda that easily so yeah. he is obviously legit an interim champion is he still the interim champion i i meant that when i didn't know because it's such it's such ultimate bs he is that's what he actually told me in that interview is that they didn't come and take the title from him they kind of realized how quickly they screwed up when they put in Darren Till and they were like, you know what, we're going to let you keep the belt and keep this uh, uh, unification, so to speak, on, on the horizon. The same way that uh, that our boy Connor did when he fought Khabib, when he brought out both belts, because he said, I'm still the double champ. Your thoughts on Colby saying girls ask him to put it on when... <laughs> um, yeah. My thoughts. Yes. Uh, were you witness to anything? Was uh, was there groupies there at ATT? Was this? Uh, wow. They were not. They wow. were not. Well, shout out to you on that one, Colby. You're a credit <laughs> to your community. He makes gun signs with the right hand and animal balloons with the left hand. So you're a credit to the community. Wow. Um. He then he began a tour de force on on really just dropping bombs on dudes. Um. He was fairly honest on, on Damian Maya though, I thought. Yeah, that was probably my favorite part was the telling the story about being in Brazil, being a little nervous before the fight when he said he's never been nervous before a fight and then going out there because he didn't, he thought Maya was actually going to be a lot tougher than he ended up being. And he was, he said, I took his soul. He was just there and he was just another body in the way. And then obviously has the famous quote at the end of it where, he didn't make a lot of Brazilian people happy, so <laughs> it's the yeah. easiest way to say that. Oh, did you didn't talk to him about that uh, boomerang incident? That would have been uh, that would have been interesting. Um, wow. I, I hinted at it a little bit by saying, "Has anybody ever challenged you to a fight?" But I don't. I didn't think he was actually going to say anything. So um, he did make me pop on the uh, Ben Askren Napoleon Dynamite thirty four year old virgin comment. Uh, you got <laughs> traded for a midget who couldn't sell. I didn't see it coming. Where he was just going to totally run the bus over Demetrius Johnson. But again, these weren't sensational pro wrestling quotes. These actually kind of made sense. That's why they got rid of the flyweights, if they actually are. I mean, so... And, and he also said that he doesn't see Demetrius as a top five pound for pound all time because of how small he is. So his quotes actually... He backs up a lot of what he says. Though. I know this was actually... You, you did sort of get an introspective version of him at times. This was a... uh You got a little flash. You got some fire. He's said that he could build a fight with a mop, and the mop would have more charisma than Woodley. But you know what? <laughs> I'm really excited for that fight. Woodley, the aging champion who's on such a hot run, 
just knows how to disarm a guy and figure out how to take the best thing he does away from him. Could Woodley essentially counter and, and cancel Colby's wrestling? That would be interesting. I mean, if he can make that a stand-up, because that's what he's doing. He's Mayweathering guys. People hate that comparison because I'm not saying Tyron Woodley all time is as good on a pound-for-pound level as Mayweather is as a boxer. But there's some Mayweather qualities to how he's been playing X's and O's with people and basically spinning a web and letting you walk into his web, which is he's not going to wrestle. He's not going to do crazy stuff. He's going to set you up for right hands. He's basically, you know, making this as efficient a job as he can. Yeah, I mean, he's just absolutely neutralized Stephen Thompson twice, Damian Maya, and then Darren Till. I mean, he has done all you have to do to be a dominant champion in the UFC. And that's and that's saying a lot. You think that he, if he continues this run, you think he might be top five pound for pound, don't you? Tyron Woodley? Yeah. He is right now the number th- number uh, three pound for pound fighter in the world. I I'm, mean, ta- I'm talking all time. No, but I think that if he continues this run, um, he's going to have a legitimate shot at saying I'm the best welterweight in history. I know that GSP and Matt Hughes have more defenses and have had more notoriety. But this is a run of domination over names that's starting to add up quick. I mean, he one shot at Robbie Lawler. Yeah, I, I was there. Did. I saw it. <laughs> what do you do though? So let's just say, in a hypothetical world, Colby Covington beats Tyron Woodley. What do you do with this division now? Well, first you go to the White House. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, who's the next great? Well, like who's the Adesanya at welterweight? Who's the guy that we're like, well, let's keep an eye on him. He could be the next big thing. Do we have that guy? No, right? I think we do. I think we do. Who? He's the guy that's coming on next. That's a fair point i guess you got to make that fight the guy who will be named and that's kamaru usman who's about to come on and talk about the guy who he doesn't want to be named and that's colby covington yeah we would see business between the two but guess what guys woodley not going anywhere you're gonna find that out all right so thank you colby covington we'll see you later i'm gonna go home tonight i'm gonna sit out with my friends and family and hell i might even get on top of my wife oh come on not acceptable. Not not necessary. Not acceptable. Although his wife is sable, so shout out to Brock <laughs> on that. She still got it around fifty, right? I mean, still got it, right? Does she still show up? Sometimes, yeah, she shows up. She shows out. I'm I'm not, I'm I'm impressed by his performance. Thank you, thank you, Brock. <laughs> well done, well done. Wow, wow. Um, all right, one more time on that. There we go. Okay, so um, hey, let's throw it to Kamaru. Usman, who entered the CBS Sports studio there and sat next to you in Fort Lauderdale. Really interesting chat from a very smart man. Enjoy. Oh, yeah. So pleased to welcome into the CBS Sports MMA podcast one of the most red-hot fighters in the damn world today, rising welterweight and then some Kamaro Usman, who's in the studio in South Florida, CBS Sports, sitting next to my man, Brandon Weitz. Kamaru, nightmare. How is it, man? Man, it's great. Uh, it's Right now, we're at that point where you're just done. I, I'm tired of training. I don't want to train anymore. I just want to step in, make way, and, and beat this guy up already. That's what but you have about. another week to go, so that that's always... You know, me as an athlete now, being a responsible athlete, know that that's a good feeling. 
But if you're not, if you're still just going through the motions, this is not a fun feeling right now because you just want the fight to be over with. You're done with training. I love it. I love the fight, life of a fighter, the mind of a fighter as it gets closer. The fight you're talking about, of course, Friday, November 30th, Vegas, the ultimate fighter finale against former lightweight champion Rafael Dos Anjos. A really, really good-looking welterweight main event, which may or maybe should tell us who is the next title challenger at 170 pounds. But you know, that can be a complicated, dirty pool. So let's start off right here. Let's start off with some truth. The truth in this matter is that Darren Till never deserved that damn title shot at UFC 231 (laughs) in September Uh. against Tyron Woodley. Dana thought he had the next McGregor, and you know this man. He, he, he definitely did. I, I believe it, it was a matter of him. He jumped the gun a little too early because I still think Darren Till is a star. He has star quality. And you can tell I've been around him. I, I've hung out with him. We've actually went out together. And yeah, he, he does. He has that quality. He has that, that star appeal. But this, there's one thing about this game is that you, you can't rush it. You can't. If you don't have that skill, you can't rush that. And that's just something that he kind of doesn't have yet. Yes, he, he can stand up and strike all day, but this is mixed martial arts. How do you do when someone takes you down? Someone, when punches you in the face while you're down, how can you fight back up to your feet? You have to be able to blend and mix all the elements. And I think he's, he's progressing. He's working towards it slowly, but he's just not there yet. And Dana thought he could jump the gun right away. And hopefully he lands one of those patented left hands, win the fight and, and becomes a new champ and the new hype train. They had you as the alternate for that fight, right? How was that process? Ah, oh, it was a shitty process. That's for sure. <laughs> it, it, uh, I had to, essentially I was brought in in case I was there for Darren too, in case he didn't make weight. Right. Then he, it, it turned into, you might have to fight both because what if he, he, he doesn't make weight, but it has a hard time because leading up to that, there was a couple of different cards where, you know, the people attempting to make weight just couldn't even fight. So now it's like, how healthy would he be even if he does make the weight? So I had to prepare for not just him, for, for Woodley, but I had to prepare, you know, also for him as well, because then the uh, two weeks before the fight, Tyron Woodley says, you know what? I might not fight this guy. If he doesn't make weight, then I, he doesn't want to fight me. So now you kind of forced to you put the UFC in a, in a situation to where are they going to succumb to your demands or are they going to take a backseat to what you want? No, they don't do that. You know, the ball keeps rolling. doesn't matter. We've seen stars and stars each and every era in the sport. But the ball keeps rolling. The UFC is, a, is just a well-oiled machine. They just move on to the next guy. So you force them to make a decision. If you tell them that you are not going to fight when that other guy can't fight, they might have to pull you. And I might have to be fighting there too. Yeah, that's a dangerous so, game of chicken right there. Yeah, it, it was a, de- a very dangerous game. So now I had to train for both guys. Two completely opposite guys. I had to be very ready for that fight. And, of course, you have, when he, you're possibly fighting for a world title, that training has to you – you take it up a notch. Your mental state is at a different place as opposed to just any other fight. And so preparing for that, the ultimate fight, and then having it not go through, and then not to mention having to make weight. Right. And it was – Definitely not an experience I would, I would. Yeah, so do is it, w- mentally in that spot, are you almost disappointed when both guys make weight and then you're, then you just get a nice ticket for the second row? And by the way, bro, you had a, a killer shirt on. It was almost like, uh, it, it, it was, it was some top shelf go out to the club and score shirt. That, that would put that one, frame that one right there. 
I mean, you know, I don't want to say, it, but uh, it was, um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I, I'm a, I'm a realist as well. Like I, I don't, I don't hate on anybody. I, I believe, you know, everything happens for a reason. And, you know, it was his opportunity that would, they gave him that opportunity for him to be able to fight for that world title. It was up to him whether he was going to capitalize on, on it or not. So if he didn't make way, then, I'm more than happy to step in and, and, you know, that beat, have that be my opportunity. But if he did, then hey, that, that was his opportunity. I, I'm more than happy to sit and wait for my turn. So, you know, I wouldn't, yeah, of course I, it sucked yeah. <laughs> making way and not getting the fight. But, you know, seeing him a, being able to go in there and compete and give it his best, I, I wasn't disappointed. What does it take for you to get to that shot though? Because you've been doing a lot of dominating lately. <laughs> But it still seems like you're on the outside looking in every time. Yeah, it, it's um, the the sport has changed a lot, and not just the sport. The company has changed a whole lot. You know, the, at one point it was a, a point, it was at a time of merit to where everything mattered. You knew who was the number one contender. You knew who was next in line. You knew who deserved it. And those days are kind of been put on the back burner now that the companies we're kind of more of an entertainment company now. We're we're, we're owned by an entertainment company. You know, so each and every fight now is basically what brings the most eyes, what brings the most views. So you have guys fighting for titles that aren't even in the division. Just because they're big name, they pop in, all right, you get the next shot. And so it's, in a sense, it kind of gives it a black eye because, you know, those weren't the, the, those weren't what MMA was built upon, the merit that he was built on. It was built on respect and, and just, who deserved it got the shot. It was but built now on it's Bushido. A, that 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 era's over with. Yeah, exactly. That you know that era's over. Now you have to you have to be able to entertain as well as fight. Yeah, you could talk a big game and, and you know sell a lot of tickets, but you go in there and get your butt kicked. Hey, you're still a loser at the end of the day. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's kind of uh, you know up and down. I, I've done the best that I could, but at the end of the day. The most important thing is winning because if winning wasn't the most important thing, then why do we have judges? Why do we have? Why do we keep score in anything that we do? So I feel like I have Woodley to just do has, my job. I feel like the Woodley what? has learned that lesson. Tyron Woodley, the the champion right now, he's was never in Dana's good graces, never got pushed or marketed. I would say on the level of what he could have become, uh, you know. And, and you give him credit for all the stuff he does on his own on the side through TMZ and all that to try to market himself the best he can. But I think he got to a point now where he's like. If I keep winning, they can't pull me from this spot. So I'm just going to focus on that and say, damn the critics. And that's interesting because this is the trash-talking Conor McGregor era where look at friggin' Coley Covington. That's how you get yourself into these opportunities. Certainly you have to win. But, I mean, I, I, this is interesting to, when, when, you're, when you're in a spot you're in right now and you've got to juggle that. Do I go nuts and call out this guy because I know it's going to maybe get me a better opportunity? Or do I just keep putting my head down and grinding? Yeah, it's a it's a mixture of both because at the end of the day, you have to still you have to remember that this is a business as well. You have to be able to entertain the masses, and you have to go with the flow. We're just in an era to where you, you know people are more filled with the drama. They want to see the drama. They want to know who's talking trash about this guy, or or or, or what that guy is 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 saying or doing in, in his life and things like that. So you have to be able to spill a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, you have to be true to yourself and be able to, to, to go out there, compete 
with with integrity and respect and and be able to still get those wins. So it's kind of a hit and miss. You have to be able to blend both, and which is what I I've learned that hey, you have to do it. You can't just be quiet, get the wins because there are guys that are quietly winning, getting wins, but no one cares. Yeah, look no how long cares. it took Holloway to get a title shot. I mean, he, you know, it was like eleven Absolutely. fights. It, yeah, it's all just no how, how's your trash talk game? You practice it, you work on it. Is it just natural? Do you just go back to the schoolyard? You think <laughs> back in the day when somebody calls you out? Yeah, I mean that—that's what it, it's tough. You know, it's no one just likes talking because I, I wasn't raised like that. There are some kids that just you know are just natural to talking trash because that's just how they were raised. I wasn't really raised like that. I didn't get into to martial arts because of, of talking trash or I could do this better than you and that. No, I, I got into it and, it and it taught me a lot. The biggest thing it taught me was respect. So it's a matter of coming out of that, not showing that respect because of the media and the people that are watching just in order to sell those tickets and then get in there and compete. But I have to be able to blend both and certain guys just bring it out of me. Like you mentioned the name earlier, I don't want to repeat that guy's name. I don't want to give him any credit, but I think he's trying to make MMA you know, great again. I think that's his slogan. But yeah, it's that guy, you know. But it's um, there's guys like that that you need, and I'm appreciative of that. There's guys like that that you need that you nothing's fake. That's all real. My emotions, the way that I feel about that guy, the things that I say about him is 100% real. So you, I, I gotta appreciate guys like that. That, that step up and bring that side out of me because you, you don't need me to, I don't need to try to talk trash. Oh, it's going to naturally happen when that fight does happen. Do you think the hate for he who shall not be named will go away after that fight? My hate for him? Mm-hmm. No, I mean, it, it's not necessarily, I don't want to say I hate him because I'm sure he's a, he's a good, I'm sure he's a good kid because we have mutual friends. Mm-hmm. It, it's crazy. We have mutual friends that actually hang out with both of us. <laughs> So it's down here in South Florida. So it's, um, I don't want to say I hate him because I really don't know him that well. I know of him, but I don't think it would go away. I think there's just, there's just some guys that you're just not meant to blend with. You're just not meant to to mesh with like Connor and and, and Khabib. I mean, those, those guys won't ever really. It's it's not the same. You're not gonna. We're not gonna be buddy buddy. We're never gonna be never over. best friends. That's what Carter like said. That. It's never over. Yeah, it, it's 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 just not. You know, we we'll, we we might get to a certain point where you know after I do beat him up and knock him out, then you know, yeah, when he wakes up, we'll have that mutual respect. When you share that octagon with someone, you'll have a, a level of respect for them because you they take a piece of you each and every time you compete with them. So yeah, that that mutual respect might be there, but as far as us being friends, yeah, that's you can just throw that out the window. <laughs> so, so this, what, this bro, Cov- sorry, after this bro Covington, this guy we don't want to talk about. He did score two big wins, right? It was against Damian Maya, who you defeated after that, and it was against RDA, who you are facing in this upcoming match. How much credit do you give this guy for what he's done, working his way to the interim title, talking the trash, unbeaten? So, put the character aside. The man inside the cage as a legitimate welterweight title contender. You, you got the respect for him, or, or is he just waiting to be solved? I, I, um, I never, I never said that he, he's not a good fighter. I never said that. Is he better than me? No, absolutely not. I think I do everything he does, and I do it better. You can even look at, you know, fun fact: the one lone loss that either of us have 
are to either of our opponents. The fight, the, the loss that I have is a guy that he's fought and defeated. The loss that he has is to a guy that I have fought and defeated. Interesting. The only thing is that loss that I took was my second professional fight I'd been doing mixed martial arts for five months. That loss that he took, he was, I think, nine or 10 and 0 in the UFC already making some noise and got choked unconscious. So, you know, it, it goes to show like that we have a lot more in common than a lot of people think. I just think that I do everything that he does and I do it better. But yeah, I think as a fighter, he's not bad. He's not bad. He's just not me. He's just not now, a finisher too, right? Right, B-Wise? He's just not a, he's just yeah. not a finisher either. No, no, he just doesn't, he doesn't have the quality, the certain things that I have. Like he can wrestle, I can wrestle. He has a good cardio, I have good cardio. He just doesn't have the power that I have. If I hit him, I mean, you look at the opponents that we, we both fought Damian Maya. He didn't hurt Damian Maya. Damian Maya hurt him. I dropped Damian Maya and almost finished him. So, I mean, it, it, you can kind of, you know, make your own assessment there on, on who, <laughs> who would win that. It feels like the welterweight division now, it's going through a bit of a renaissance. You got, you're coming on, you're on the way up. Colby's on the way up. Tyron's been dominating for a while now. Darren Till now coming to make noise. And of course, now the wild card, Ben Askren. Where do you think of the welterweight division now, and what do you th- where do you think it's going? Do you think it's about to become one of the best divisions in the sport? It, it absolutely is one of the best divisions, and I mean you've you've got lightweight. Lightweight's always thick, you know that that weight is, and a lot of people always wonder why that is because that's that's the threshold of a, of a, a grown man. That that's that's the average size of a grown man. All grown men are at least five nine, five ten. Mm-hmm. 150, 100 to about 190 pounds. So that those are lightweights right there. So that's why that weight is always one of the most competitive. But then welterweight is extremely competitive. I mean, look at the guys that we have in that top 10, top 15, extremely competitive guys. So if you're on your way up, you better get to the top and hope to stay there because that's a long road back down. If you look at the guys, I mean, look at uh, Damian Maya. He fought Woodley. Mm-hmm. Then you had to come through Murderer's Row. You had to fight Kobe. You had to fight me. And there's still guys <laughs> on the way down if you're not winning and staying up there. And same thing with RDA. You just fought for that interim. You lost. And now you got to fight me. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, it's, that's not looking good for you, buddy. So, I mean, welterweight is uh, it's gonna it's one of the toughest divisions right now. And I think it's going to be that way for a long time. And he mentioned that name. Ben Askren, who came over in the trade from one championship, and we got excited because, look, he's that guy you always wanted to see. Could he cut it on this level against the elites if he finally made it to the UFC? And then you extra want to see him because he piled on so much trash talk in a 48-hour period that he called out everybody. He eventually got to you as well on Twitter. What was your thoughts when he added you when you're like, all right, he's, he's coming for me too? Did he say something to me? He waited Did a he? day, and then he was like, Kamaru, don't forget about me. I still see you out there, too. And then he dropped an insult, and that was it. Oh, really? I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I – yeah. I definitely didn't see that. Uh, I did see an interview that he did with, uh, I want to say, uh, Luke Thomas to where they asked him about me, and he said, oh, I have nothing for him, nothing against him. You know, I actually know Ben Askren um, not very well, but through the wrestling circuit – uh, he was just, he was a little bit before my time, but you know, that's just something in, in wrestling. We're, we're both wrestlers. You have that mutual respect for each other. I mean, it's, it's nothing negative. I, 
he does what he does and he does okay with it and I do what I do. So, you know, when our paths do cross, they cross. You know, not nothing against him. I mean, if he talks trash, then obviously towards me, then you know, you bring out a different monster. But <laughs> then he's gonna right face now, the nightmare. Yeah, but right now it's 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 all good. It's all love. He's doing what he's doing and he's having fun with it. So, I mean, that's for coming into the sport that the way it is now, as we mentioned earlier. That, I mean, he did a great job. You come in, you got to make noise. You got to make people think about. It. You got to make people talk about you for a little bit. And he did for for that whole week. He was a hot thing. He was what people were talking about him being a signee and, and what could he do in the division and things and that. But we'll see once you get under the lights and, and you you go have your go at, at one of those top guys, then you see whether you measure up or not. Well, the reaction to him drawing Robbie Lawler first when, look, he called out anybody from GSP to the Diaz's to Connor and Habib was interesting. Half the people were like, oh, wow, this might be too tough of a matchup. It might be one and done for Askren. The other half were like, well, you know, Robbie's a little washed. No one wants to say it. This could be the perfect win. Where do you stand on that, on, on this being a chance for Askren to make some noise and build some momentum? Yeah, absolutely. It's a chance because, I mean, Robbie's a former champion, for a guy that's, that's kind of done it all. He, he, a tough, gritty guy, not afraid of anybody. He's willing to step in and fight anybody. So it, it's, it's definitely a tough draw. And on the other hand, Robbie is a teammate of mine, is a training partner of mine. So I, I get to see him firsthand and see what he's working on and how he's working. And for a while there, you know, he was dealing with some injuries, but he took some good, some good time to, to step out and, and take care of those injuries. And made sure he was healthy enough to come back. And, you know, it might be, just like you mentioned, it might be one of those one-and-done situations. <laughs> but also, it's a, it's a tough matchup for both guys. Because Robbie likes to stand and knock your head off to where Askren has no interest in standing. It's all about getting you to the ground. So we'll see how those that ha- that works out. But it's it's not as easy as people might think for either of each each guy. What about the other wild card of George St. Pierre? Do you think you're ever going to see him come back into the octagon? I think George George might. Uh, but the thing is, it has to make sense. George is – not very many people get the opportunity to do what George is doing. And that's to be able to to only come back for, for big-time, big-money fights. It's, it's really never been done in this sport. I mean, yes, this sport is still young, only 25 years. But it's – to be able to to pick and choose, okay, I'm going to come back and fight that super fight and make lots and lots of money and run away. I'm going to come back again a year or two later, make lots and lots of money and run away, which he doesn't really need to fight. He's got, you know, he's put himself in situations to where he's good forever. But as a competitor and being able to still have that drive in you, and I mean, he didn't leave on a decline it's not like oh he he can't fight anymore he he left with still being able to compete and so that's still burning inside him so i know it's it's going to be one of those things he's going to want to come back for a fight like with habib or you know another super fight or something like that but yeah i think we will see him again inside that octagon all right, let's let's get on to the insides of this matchup with rda who is fresh off that loss to colby what type of fight are you expecting on this one? What should we be looking for here? I'm expecting a gritty fight. I'm expecting him to come forward and try because he knows you can't. Once I get going, it's you. you just, there's no answer, 
he knows that. And, and I think he's going to do the best that he can to come forward and, and try to to kind of take the fight to me a little bit and see how that works out. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I know everybody else knows that it's just not going to happen. It's just going to be a matter of me just kind of beating on him or and picking and choosing when I want to get him out of there. So, I mean, he's a, he's a tough guy, very, very tough guy, game opponent, very well-rounded. That's a big thing about him is well-rounded. There's nothing that he doesn't do exceptionally. Okay. So it's going to be a, it's going to be a good fight. You know, every, I always, I'm the type of guy that each and every fight that I'm in, I dominate the fight so much. It's almost, some of those fights are almost boring to watch because it's, you know, the, the opponent has nothing to give. You know, those fight of the nights where people are like, oh, that's a fight of the night. Those are fight of the nights because both guys are hitting each other. Both guys are, are slugging. You're having your moment. He's having his moment. But I don't give guys an opportunity to have their moments. So when a fight's just one side, no one wants to just see a winner. You just dominate a guy of one side. So, you know, of course I do. I do yearn for those fights to where, you you know, the guy is coming forward. He's hitting me and I'm hitting him. He's hitting me. I'm hitting him. The crowd's going crazy. You know, I want one of those at some point, but it just might not be this one. Yeah, you want one of those in your title opportunity. When yeah, you maybe maybe for it. that title. It's that exciting until I do knock him out. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be this one. Hey, but I mean, George St. Pierre made a career off of that. So Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, but that's the thing. When George got that title, then it became I can just dominate in the way that I want to continue to, to hold on to this title. And, yeah, when you're at that level, then you can do that. But they're going to make it hard for you to even get to that title. Look, I, I might have to kill somebody inside that octagon to get a title <laughs> shot, to be honest with you. Because well, I've been doing everything and, you know, it's still not there. So I think they want to see that moment happen. But you got to have the right dance partner in there. So I think RDA is a tough guy, so I, I hope he's ready and he brings his A game. And the Sharks will be in the water smelling blood for a chance to leapfrog you. So let's say you beat RDA. We're fresh off Santiago Ponzinibbio sending, uh, sending what's-his-name there to hell the other Saturday night. Okay. Uh, just Neil Magny in a fantastic finish in front of his home fans in Argentina. And after the fight, he wants Woodley. He's not going to get him. If you take out RDA, no. though, right? Correct. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Absolutely not. Let's come on. Let's let's be honest. This was his first top ten win. Come on, man. You know you're not getting that title shot. And not to mention, you had an opportunity to fight me. You had that opportunity. See, the thing is that Argentina card was already in place. He already knew he would fight in Argentina before we were supposed to fight in May. That Chile card came up, so they were giving him a chance to potentially double up. To so he now. You'd be the guy to open up the market in Chile. Now you'd be the guy to open up the market in Argentina. So you're a South American superstar. But no, you know, once you realize the, who the opponent was, you know, it's something gets hurt and then you have to sit out and now you, you get the chance to come back. And now when he was healthy and he was coming back, I was already done with my fight. I was available. Why didn't, why wouldn't you want to, to get that fight back? Cause I'm ranked higher than him. Why wouldn't you call me out? You know, I mean, it's, I'm just not, I'm not a problem a lot of people want to deal with. So, you know, and that's not me being big headed or cocky or anything. That's just me knowing I present a different challenge for each and every one of those guys and they know it, which is why they don't want to try to even face that. How would you deal with your biggest critic who's going to look at your win streak and be like, well, there's a lot of decisions there. I just kind of made a playful offhand reference that, hey, Colby's pretty good, but he's not a finisher. What about people that say you're not a finisher? finisher how do you respond to that i mean it, it's 
It is what it is. I mean, when I do try, I approach fights differently. For me, it's, you could ask each and every one of my opponents that I've had in the UFC, I guarantee you, I can almost guarantee you not one of them is going to say, I want that fight again. Because the way that I, I beat guys, I, I dominate them from start to finish and I, I, I really break them mentally. That, that's, that's my, my goal. I break the guys mentally. You can go into the fight, you're swinging, both swinging, and then boom, you land a lucky punch. The guy gets knocked out and he wakes up and he's like, man, I should have just kept my hand up. I want to fight that fight again. You know, I believe I can beat him. No, guys aren't going to say that about me because I break them mentally. I take something from each and every guy. When they leave that octagon, they're just like, man, that guy's, that, that's a better man than I am. I, I don't, I have nothing for that guy. I don't want anything to do with that guy. That's what what really makes me. That's what really that's what sets me apart for some of these other guys. Yes, you can go in there and you're rolling around, you catch a lucky submission. But guess that guess what? The guy gets up, dang it, I'm gonna work on that submission, I can defend that, I'll be back next time and I can beat that guy. No one no one's gonna say that about me. When I do wanna finish guys, I can get that finish. I go out there and I finish the guys. But if it's tough, gritty guys that are well rounded that I know I need to break then I do that. I go in there and I break them. If the finish comes, it comes. My fight against Sergio Marias, that was a guy that I wanted to finish because he opened his mouth. He said a couple of things and, and I didn't take him too lightly. And I went in there and, uh, you know, and I wanted, and you could see even with me finishing him like that, I took the time to still break him. You know, even in that first, I let him land some shots. He landed the shots, but then I walked right through. I still hit him in the mouth and eventually he went to sleep. So there's, I fight guys differently. It's not just I'm just out there fighting for something. I'm actually doing something when I'm out there, and that's is that more satisfying? Man, when you win Absolutely. the chess match and you know they've got nothing, and you're just basically, uh, you know, front runnering in them, and just didn't, you know, you're not you're not doing the Askren slap on the face while you're riding their back, but that that's more satisfying than going out there and knocking a guy out one round. Yeah, absolutely. I, I believe breaking a man, like taking something from his soul, to where he knows, like man i've got nothing for that guy that that is absolutely more satisfying and i and i kind of i became really i got into that feeling more when i was wrestling when i started out wrestling and wrestling obviously there's there's three different ways to win you could decision or you could have a technical fall which is you're beating them by many points and they technically stop it they're just like oh this is not even a competition you're beating them by 15 points or you could pin the guy a lot of guys go in and they get pins, they get pins, but pins wasn't attractive to me. Like I, I wasn't attractive to getting pins. I wanted to tech the guy. I wanted to beat him so bad they stopped it because he had nothing for me. And at one point in my college career, my junior season, I led the country division one, two, and three, all divisions in tech fall. I believe I teched a guy one time in almost a minute and 30, which is unheard of in the first period. You know, when you, you rack up 15 points on a guy, you're just racking up points and they just have nothing for you. That was a feeling that I, I just fell in love with. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to break a guy's will, break his spirit Damn. to where he has nothing for me. Brando, are you so hearing it, this guy? This guy's firing it, me up. He's trying to take it, chunks of souls and just, just putting them in a it, jar and putting them up on the mantle. It's a, man, it's a, <laughs> it's a different feeling when you, when you're, you're, this guy's, see, the, a big thing is psychologically when you're preparing for a fight, I'm preparing, he, you're, the guy's preparing. You know, he's doing the best he can. He's training as hard as he can. 
It brings in all the training partners, the best guys that he feel can help him be the best in the world. And you guys both train and then you guys both step in there. But then the feeling that you get from when you guys are competing at first, you guys are both tentative. You, you know, you, you wonder what this guy brings and you wonder what you can do to him, what he can do to you. But then when you get that feeling where it's like, Oh, you've got nothing for me. I can break you and you know it and he knows it. It's a different feeling. It's such an addictive feeling that I'm addicted to that feeling. That's a feeling that I want to feel each and every fight. I'm 6'5", 250, and I'm kind of backing away from Kamaru. He's scaring me a little bit. He's getting too fired up. Wow, wow. You should walk around the office now with that swagger wise. Start Just start looking at people. Break their <laughs> you break have to. souls just, with, you, the, you, with the glue. Let them know, hey, don't even look at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> just tell people to get away whenever they get near me. Yeah. Well, you're the Nigerian nightmare, which to me always shouts out to the great Christian Okoye, the Chiefs running back, who I grew up watching like a lot of people. But another fighter is rising from Nigeria, and it's the great style bender himself. Israel Adesanya. You guys bros? You guys gonna co-main and headline the card in Nigeria one day? What's going on here? Bro, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those feelings that you just feel. I feel it's going to happen. After I go out there and I take care of RDA, I'm next in line for that title shot. And, and I, I believe he has one more fight and he's next in line for that title shot. And that fight could happen at the rate that he's been fighting. He's fighting. His turnarounds are very, very quick. He's not taking that much damage, no injuries. So he can fight soon in a couple of months here. And if we're both ready and we're both healthy, I'm telling you, you could have a main event and a co-main event here where we're both, both which would be obviously unheard of. Two Nigerians headlining, co-headlining the, the, you know, for the UFC. I mean, it's unheard of. It's an event that it will happen. It definitely will happen. And, um, you have no choice at that point. You have two Nigerian champions. You have no choice. You have to do a, a show in Nigeria. That would be sick. The crowds would be insane. Yeah. Yes, and mentioned, and speaking of Christian Okoye, I actually spoke with him briefly on, we messaged back and forth. Nice. Because obviously a guy that I, I, I look, I look up to, I, you know, and, and just the things that he did in football were incredible. And, you know, I, I do want to get him out to, uh, you know, one of my fights because obviously I don't think he's a, a big MMA fan, which I don't know, we haven't really talked about it, but I, I would love to have him. And there, there's been two, Really, really famous Nigerian nightmares. There was him, obviously, on the football aspect. And then there was uh Samuel Peters, the boxer, heavyweight yes. champion, world champion. So, you know, how incredible would that be to have both of them That'd at an event? That'd be great. I was a big Sam Peter was hot for a minute. I mean, until he dropped Klitschko three times, but Klitschko survived. He he had a good run of <laughs> knocking fools out there. He did. He definitely did. And, uh you know, I mean, it, everything – comes to an end you know we all have our highs and lows you have your moment and you know you kind of have to learn that when that moment goes by and it passes you by it does you know you have to move on to something else so you know both guys are doing well i assume so you know hopefully i would love to have both of them at one of my uh one of my fights that that would be uh that would definitely be a dream for me oh man we that might be see that. that might be ufc's first event in africa right yeah we we will definitely try to yeah, it's definitely the first. They haven't done any in Africa. You know, there's there's been talks. I know they're, you know, in Saudi Arabia, things like that. Those guys are, are, are definitely, you know, working towards getting MMA big down there. MMA is actually big in South Africa. So, you know, when we have – you have big stars from West Africa. You have me. You have Israel Adesanya. You have Francis Ngannou. Yes. So it, it's – I mean, it's a matter of time. 
we will definitely get an event after. Love that. Love that. We want to see you continuing to advance this. What is this? An eight fight win streak in the UFC for you? I mean, you're on, you're on a friggin' roll right now. This is insane. Yes. Eight fights, uh, after November 30th, it'd be nine. So we'll, uh, you know, it's definitely the title after that. All right. Absolutely. So let's say it. So we think we're, there's no announcements. We think Woodley's going to fight Colby, which will be a great build up fun fight. We know that you want to beat RDA. Does that mean you will 100% be next in line for a title shot? No one else is going to crash this party, right? GSP don't want that Woodley. He don't want anything to do with that. No, he don't want that. No, he wants nothing to do with that. Uh, And for for his sake, I I understand. I understand why he he wouldn't want that fight. But, hey, you know, if GSP does come back, it's not for the title. Come on. You, You give him a super fight. Let him fight somebody. You know, it doesn't have to be for any titles. I don't think the UFC is willing to risk letting him come back and fight for a title again. And he comes back and wins it. the title. It's, yeah. it's destroy. I mean, for the longevity, it's 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 in turn destroying your 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 sport. It's destroying the things that you build. This guy comes in, wins the title, runs away, gives it up. Comes back, wins the title, runs away, and gives it up. So <laughs> that, that's not looking good for all the guys that are waiting in line. You've been fighting for years to get to that point. You're just telling them, hey, take a back seat. We'll give the shot to GSP whenever he's ready. So, you know, DSP doesn't want that. After I take care of RDA November 30th in Las Vegas, then uh, I will be next wow. for that title. Hey, Brandon, what does that fight look like? Woodley and Usman? That, that's a that's a hell of a good fight there. <laughs> Notice I just counted Colby out of the mix, but I know Woodley's going to take his soul. Look about, We already know that. <laughs> You're still on this Woodley bandwagon. You're never coming off. Dude, Woodley has figured out the game. He don't care. He has the key. He knows how to just fig- disarm the guy, get out of there with a win. Hey, let's see what happens when he when And he so how, how do you think Woodley does that against me? I don't know. I don't know, man, because you can bang. Exactly. You're, you're trying <laughs> exactly. to take his soul. He's, if he's just coming for if the he, W and you're coming for that soul, that's going to be quite a – quite a uh i mean it's it's i don't i don't give you're not there's nothing that he's going to do is i I keep you're not you want to bang we can bang you want to grapple we can grapple i do that a little bit more than he does and you cardio uh, it's been proven that mine looks a little better than yours so i mean what what can he do to win that fight it's just not not gonna happen which is why we're prolonging which is why we're prolong trying to prolong Usman get into that title as long as possible. But after November 30th in Las Vegas, it's not going to be too long. Yes. I will be next in line for that shot. Tomorrow, Usman, great talking to you, man. I feel like we can roll for hours here. We've seen your work on CBS Sports HQ. Great stuff breaking down fights. More fans getting to know you. You're, you know, you're on the, you're on the verge of crossing over. You just got to keep, you just got to keep beating, dude. I'm, I'm, wor- I'm working at it. I'm working at it, you know, and it's something that I'm passionate about. I, I, I want to get in and, and do more and more with that stuff because I, I love it. I, I love talking about the sport that I love, and, and I love being in front of the camera. So, you know, hopefully you get to do more and more with that. Absolutely. Hey, can you just make sure that when you fight Colby, it's down here? I've been making, you know what? I've been giving Brian so much they don't crap. Do fights they don't ever come down here. They don't come down here anymore. Because it's crazy. South Florida is a, is a very, very hard market to crack. They're very, very hard. There's just, there's just so much to do. You go down to South Beach, there's, there's 50 clubs. Everybody's gonna, you know, go to these nice restaurants, get done from the restaurants, go into the club. If not the club, you've got to get on a boat and do this, do that. There's just so much things to do that it's hard for people to just say, you know what? We're gonna go watch a fight. There's not much to do. We're gonna go watch a fight. But they've only tried it once is my only thing. They tried it once six years ago and now they won't come back again. They, they did a bad job when they did years and years ago and, and it wasn't great. 
And so, which is why they, they gave it one more chance, which they did better. They did the hard rock and that was, that was a sellout, but the hard rock was small. It was yeah. only five, six grand, but you know, that, that sold out. That did really good. So now they know that with the right marketing and the right guys, they can do well. And you know, somehow, some way, Woodley does slip on a banana peel and the guy, the other guy ends up beating him. And I'm next in line for that fight. I mean, I would love to do that at trip at, at American Airlines. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that, you know. And I think we've got the stars to definitely do that. Amanda Nunes goes out and beats uh, uh, a cyborg. She's a superstar. We can definitely do that. Throw her. She could be on the card as well. I mean, you've got tons and tons of guys now. Now they know they have guys to be able to to pile on that card and, and definitely sell out. So. You know, I wouldn't put it past them. Don't think too hard on it, though. This guy, Wiseman, is not thinking about the community of Miami and Fort Lauderdale. No, he just wants no, to cover no. a UFC card and then go home and sleep in his bed at night. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Much. Yeah. It, it's, it's a hard market to crack, but I think they can do it with the right marketing. They definitely can. Well, speaking of marketing, where can the, the, the fans that aren't following you find you on social media? On social media, I make it easy for everybody. I'm every, on Twitter, Instagram. Snapchat, whatever else you can find. If I'm on there, it's at at USMAN 84KG. Usman 84KG. Usman RDA, November 30th. Be there. Souls will be taken. Best of luck to you, man. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. Be wise. I came away very impressed by this man. That there's a real deep IQ and mental strategy into his overall dominance. He's not trying to knock you out. He's trying to pull all the juice out of you. He's trying to take your soul in a different way and leave you a broken man. I believe everything you said. He's got conviction. He does. He does. It's something that if you're a casual fan who doesn't follow him as closely, you just go to his Wikipedia and you go, Oh, this guy's just grinding out decision wins. How good can he really be? Because he's not, he's not a finisher, right? He, just like we asked him, like people would say you're not a finisher, but his answers to those questions were so good and so well thought out that it makes you realize like, Hey, it's not, it doesn't always pay to be like the big flashy knockout guy. You do that when you're on the big stage, when you can get those big bonuses and you can get paid correctly. Right now, it's just about cr- uh, crawling your way to the top and getting those bigger fights that he needs to get. Yeah, and he's been doing a great job of that, and the confidence is there. He's got a good style, and he's got this main event Friday night, which he talked about, the tough finale in Las Vegas against RDA, Rafael Dos Santos. It's going to be interesting how this fight plays out. RDA is sort of reborn at Walter. I'm still disappointed in his performance against Colby. I thought he was going to be able to have more success on the feet, and instead Colby's motor just overtook him and constantly took him down and sort of just frustrated him and took him out of the fight. You know, it's weird. Usman doesn't want to talk about Colby Covington, yet that's the guy who may have put the blueprint on the guy he just beat, Damian Maya, and now the guy he's trying to beat RDA. If you're Usman, are you just grinding in this fight? Yeah, I mean, I think... For as much as Kamaru doesn't like to talk about Colby, I think they're as similar a fighter as you can get right now at welterweight because they fight a very similar grinding, hey, we're going to take you down, ground and pound, that's how we're going to fight this fight. I think that Kamaru's style needs to change a little bit, but in this fight, he's fighting a guy who's going to be smaller than him, 
who's going to be not have as much power as a lot of the guys he's been fighting. So I think he can go in there and get a finish and be impressive in in getting a finish because RDA is kind of at that point where if he loses this fight, his career might be on the back burner completely because he tried he tried to keep cutting at lightweight. His body started to shut down after he got that title. Now he's back at welterweight, and his only win is over your boy Robbie Lawler, who we don't know how much he's still even there. So I think that Kamaru goes out there trying to put on a big performance because he needs to, and he needs to impress Dana White now that he's gotten this quote-unquote main event, even though it's the tough finale, and the tough finale doesn't mean as much as it used to. So I think that Kamaru needs to go out there and press the pu- and push the pace instead of saying, hey, let's just grind out a win and get out of here. Yeah, that's that's certainly fair. This is a good opportunity for him, statement chance, a, a showcase, if you will. You're right about tough. I mean, if a tough season happens and I don't see one commercial or see one episode, did it really happen? Did it really take place? If it falls in the woods, is it really there? Uh, wow. I don't even know who's fighting. I don't. I didn't even know that there was a season last season. Again, I was there for Kimbo. I was there for the damn women's uh, strawweight. Shout out to that year. That was a fun year. But um, wow, I was there when Rampage broke the door. But that's really about <laughs> it lately. I don't think that there's a reason to care much after that. Oh, I kind of got intrigued that one year where it was uh, the winner gets to fight Demetrius Johnson. I cared for a second. Hey, shout out to Tim Elliott. He really, you know, he. Yeah, you know where he is now. Bagging groceries. <laughs> yeah, he's not in the UFC All anymore. Right, hey, well, neither is Demetrius Johnson, so maybe he was <laughs> ahead of the game on that decision. Um, you know what I have next to me, or somewhere in this pile on my desk, is a MGM Graham r- room key for UFC 196. McGregor dos Anjos. We all know what happened next. Remember we had Faber on this show? And he said that it was down to him and Nick, I'm sorry, Nate, to fight Connor. That just intrigues the crap out of me. What if history had been different? What would Connor's future had looked like if he didn't fight Nate Diaz there? If he would have fought Faber? You know, he would have probably sent him to hell and then fought somebody else. But you wouldn't have had the two Nate fights. We'd be in an interesting spot. But what would have happened if he fought RDA? I need an answer. Connor RDA 196, March 2016. What would it have looked like? At that point, that's what? That's RDA coming off of his win over Eddie? No, before he lost the belt to Eddie, a couple months before he got knocked out by Eddie. He was weight drained. He was That's right. He was fresh off of uh who did he take the title from? He took the title from I'm so, wait, am I way off here? RDA took the title from uh Pettis. That's who you're thinking of. That's right. Knocked okay. out Pettis in March twenty fifteen, then stopped Donald Cerrone, was red hot but was really having trouble making weight. Right. Yeah, I think if we get to that fight McGregor probably stops him just because of everything that was going on around that fight. And we saw what happened with Aldo where it felt like the the moment kind of got to him. I don't know if RDA would have been ready for that kind of big stage at that point because that atmosphere with Connor is always something that seems to overwhelm just about every fighter except for Khabib apparently. But yeah, I don't, I don't know if RDA was ready for that moment. I think – it was a little bit – I don't like to be that guy, but I think it was a little bit of RDA running scared. Interesting. Interesting call out right there from the wise man. Um, RDA though, you know, I mean the, the decision lost to Ferguson when he was really had problems cutting weight, didn't really shouldn't have been in that spot. Of course, the knockout lost to Alvarez, but around that, the two wins over Cerrone, knocking out Pettis, beat Nate. 
beat Benson, beat Lawler, Magny. He's kind of he's kind of sneaky. I mean, he's always been sneaky good. I mean, he's a former champion, but in a tough spot coming off of that somewhat lifeless loss to Covington, where he's going to have to ratchet it back up. He's going to have to dig deep. Oh yeah, I can't forget that loss to Habib, where he uh, basically <laughs> lost every second in. in uh, yeah, he kind of made the legend right there. He kind of allowed the yeah. Habib legend to begin. Uh, 34 years old. This should be an interesting fight. I kind of think RDA is going to be tough enough to force this to go the distance, and it'll be another strong but not spectacular victory for Usman, who will essentially put himself in line for the winner of Wood. I mean, when you look at the division, who else is going to get the winner of Woodley Covington? Who else? Unless it's like a creative Nick or Nate Diaz situation. Yeah, I mean, because Woodley's already kind of cleaned out the top half of that that weight class at this point, right? And right. like you said, unless they decide to go with Nate or Nick, even though Nick's getting Masvidal in March, yeah, there's just nothing there. GSP I mean, you don't want that smoke, you know that. <laughs> well, they could also go the Askren route. Oh, that's they do have things up. This is a suddenly interesting division, which is what we touched on in that interview. There, you're right. Askren is that wild card that if he gets by Robbie Lawler. You might go right to, oh, no, wait, hold on, curveball alert. You can't go right to Woodley Askren because that's the only name. Askren called out everybody who's ever fought for the UFC except for Tyron Woodley, which really has the potential to stunt his potential long-term growth. Maybe we get a fun one-off fight against GSP. That means nothing. But, again, I don't – GSP is too much of a man of principle, dude. He's only coming back for that fight that extends his legacy, and I think he means that. He takes so and long that's... to make a decision. And that's who McGregor? No, GSP. Yeah, oh yeah. No, Pro, I think I think he would take a Super Bowl like fight against McGregor, and I think that's it. McGregor, uh, the one fifty five title against whoever's the champion, and that's it. I don't think he thinks he can add anything by beating Woodley. He doesn't seem to want Silva. So I don't know. I, I don't. Mean, I don't understand why they wouldn't even try to like make that for an international fight week this year. GSP McGregor. Like, there's nothing else to build on right now well, for McGregor. You're right, but GSP doesn't seem to be motivated by money, though. That's the problem on that. Right, and and the legacy would be that you took out the guy that everybody claimed to be, argue, like, a great one of the greatest fighters in, in the company history, even though he's coming off a loss. That's the thing. you got to bring him back, and he's got to look dominant. I don't know. It's tough. I, it's really going to test GSP's true will because, you know, he's told, you know, on the Ariel show recently that – he may not come back. It may, this may be the end. We may never see him again. And he seems to really be a guy that sticks to his principles. Um, I feel like Usman's headed toward, even with a win here against RDA, is headed toward an, uh, like a Stephen Thompson type of fight and not a title fight next. I feel like he's going to be almost John Fitch to a degree. You know, he was honest about that. The best thing you could do is just keep winning and, and keep dominating. But I don't know if there's enough flash in Kamaru's selling to get over that hill and get into a title fight right away. But it depends on how the things play out, obviously. What is Steven Thompson doing right now, by the way? I don't feel like we heard from him at all after he lost to Darren Till. There was the, he was in the running, it seemed, for an Askren fight. He definitely deserved a win over uh, Till, I thought. So he's sort of entering earlier than I thought he would into that sort of veteran role, we'll use him if we need him type of situation. Yeah. I mean, I, but but to go off of what you're saying about GSP, I wish Anderson Silva would do that and say, "Hey, I don't need to fight anymore." Instead of trying to take all these checks. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Santiago Ponzinibbio is also lingering as a guy who thinks he deserves next. 
and your guy Leon Edwards after beating Cowboy. All right. Uh, I wouldn't mind if the Diaz has crashed a party at all as well. What's your prediction for Friday night? Usman RDA. I told you Usman's going to win a hard-fought five-round decision. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'm taking Usman as well, but I think for Usman's sake, I hope he finishes him by the third round just because, like you said, if he grinds out another decision – UFC can't sell that. No. How, how do you how do you sell that even against like somebody like Colby? Because it's 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 not it's not pretty. It's just hey, he's a really good fighter, but he doesn't finish anybody and he doesn't do anything to sell his fights. So he needs a he needs a finish, and I think he'll get it. I think he stops RDA in the third round with TKO. Wow! Wow! Brave call right there. Now on this undercard, uh, there's a bantamweight named Boston Salmon. How about that? Uh, Tim Means. Is this, is this the time where we just have you read names? I just read names. Tim Means is on this undercard. Daryl Horcher is on this undercard who once forfeited his soul to Habib by stoppage. Uh, Joseph Benavidez is on this card against Alex Perez. Could be his final flyweight bout. And, um, Brian Caraway back from the uh, breakup of Misha Tate to be back on this card. I don't think you care. They should be fighting each other. Those names I just mentioned should all be fighting each other, but they're not. That's not the only UFC offering this weekend, though. Saturday from Adelaide, Australia. It's fight night, but it probably won't be at night, right? Is this another AM card? What do you got for me, Wise? You got a start time on No, it? it's actually 10 p.m. Aussie time? Our time. All right. Junior Dos Santos, the former... UFC heavyweight champion against rising star, maybe, 8-0, Tai Tuivasa, the king of the damn shoey. I know that I got a lot of Australian listeners out there. The great Omar Al-Rashid is one of them. You know this shoey phenomenon is the grossest thing. I know Mark Raimondi of MMA Fighting did win it on camera, but it's it's what, people spitting in a shoe? Are they pissing too? I don't know what other. No, they're not. And then, but they're <laughs> well, spitting no. at least. And then they're pouring beer in there. Look, I've seen someone drink a beer out of a shoe at like a college bar, but the spitting aspect really makes it pretty gross. Yes, it does. No, Tuivasa said that if nobody would give him a beer, he would pee in the shoe and then drink it after beating whoever Manuel it was that Marquez? he fought last. What? Is he Juan Manuel Marquez drinking his own urine? I mean, this is just <laughs> disgusting. I don't, I don't, I don't really get down like that. Um, I like the crap out of this fight though. Look, Dos Santos is, he's a little washy, but he's still dangerous. He's only 34 somehow. And he keeps alternating wins and losses going back to the first Kane fight. Six years ago, he's won and lost every other time. Beating Mark Hunt, Steve Miocic, Ben Rothwell, recently Blagoy Ivanovov and Suffering defeats by knockout to Stipe, Overeem, and twice to Kane, although the first time was a long five-round decision loss when he initially lost the title. Always hard to tell because, like, he looked amazing against Rothwell, and then he looks like he got his soul taken against Stipe in the rematch, although he told you I was winning that fight. He did mm-hmm. say that. Yeah, he, say that. he keeps saying that. Um, This is really good matchmaking. I don't know what's going to happen here. It's hard to really know how good Taitu Ivasa is. It's got a couple wins that got our attention. But this is that testing ground. This is that that the where you find out how good right now Brandon Wise is to Ivasa. I think he's still so raw that we don't know what he can be because, like you said, like he's a really fun dude. Like he's the kind of guy that the UFC needs to like bridge that gap where 
you got you got Whitaker and you got Adesanya that are both really fun guys that are re- but they're really good mixed martial artists. Tui Vasa is more of like I'm gonna drink a 12 pack before I get in the ring. <laughs> We're gonna go have fun for t- 15 to 20 minutes and then I'm gonna go back to drinking back in the backstage. I think that that Andre Arlovski fight that he had in June kind of opened you up a little bit to be like, hey. Maybe he doesn't have that full skill set yet because How do you not Ar- knock out Arlovsky? That's what I'm saying. Like he <laughs> he wasn't able to go in there and just pound because Arlovsky's a veteran. He knows how to like just slip away, slip away, slip out of your guard. He's not at the point yet where you can say, "Hey, this guy needs to get into the title picture." And I think UFC knows that. That's why they're giving him Junior Dos Santos before they start pushing him like they did with Francis. He also doesn't look like Francis, so there's that. But I think that if he's able to go out there and show that he can knock out Junior, then they might start fast-tracking him a little bit more. Are you a listener of the Half-Cast podcast hosted by Tuivasa and Tyson Pedro? I am not. Okay, well, Tuivasa is married to the sister of Tyson Pedro. So it's all in the family there for Shuivasa. Um <laughs> You kind of reminded me about that Arlovsky fight, in which we're like, okay, if he's for real, he'll blow him out in two minutes, right? Well, no, he went the distance. So does that mean JDS is going to, is going to, who still can punch, can put some punches together, is going to knock this dude out? I think we got potential to see a, a banger here. He bangs, yeah. right? That's, that's like our best case scenario here. Because like you said, Junior, after coming out of what, what was it, 18 months off before yes. he fought, uh, Blagovich? Yeah, he had some USADA or- issues. No, I know, I remember, but I'm saying he was at, but he was out of action for like almost a year and a half because of that, and he talked my ear off about it for when I went to talk to him. Um, he looked good against Blagovich, though. He looked really good in that fight, and he didn't need to go out there and pound him in or anything, but he landed a lot of solid punches on that guy, and if he's able to go in there and land clean on Tuivasa, Tuivasa might be looking up at the lights because uh, Junior still got pop. He's always had pop. I think that Junior is going to have to stay back, keep the veteran presence because he trains with Arlovsky. So he's got a lot of game plan going into this fight Ooh, for what to champion expect. Speaking, up, speaking out on it, right? Sharing <laughs> trade secrets there. Exactly. So I think Junior is going to have a really solid game plan for this fight, but it's always tough to fight on enemy soil. We've always seen that when people go to these big venues like this, that it's a little bit tougher for the guy on the road. So I think – Junior probably comes away with a gross decision win, no. but hope hopefully it's a banger, like you said, where they are just trading punches back and forth, kind of like our uh, Yair Rodriguez Korean zombie fight. Yeah, yeah, that, well, yeah. Um, you know, the, JDS can still box. I mean, he put on a masterpiece against Rothwell. By the way, Rothwell just disappeared. Remember that guy was like a sneaky title contender. The heck happened to Ben Rothwell? Well, didn't he get hit with USADA too? Can he get like four years from you? Guys get hit with Usada and they just don't come back. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right. So uh, Tua Viola, uh no, Tai Tuivasa <laughs> will be. Why the, are you trying to make him the quarterback for Alabama? Yeah. Um, so look, I like this fight a lot. I can't really speak for this undercard, but speaking of Tyson Pedro, the brother-in-law of Tai Tuivasa, he's fighting Wash Shogun in the co-main. Wow, I do care about this card a little bit more than I thought. Uh, yeah, that's a little bit quick for Tyson Pedro, but, uh, you know, old show, some old guys are always, like, 
I don't care how washed he was. Dan Henderson could always just drop that H-bomb on you. Shogun's wily for a washed dude, and he's hella washed. But he keeps trying to, like, almost reinvent himself in, like, a washed Matt Hughes type of way. I'm, I'm talking Matt Hughes before the train crash. Like, that, like, level where every time you think he's out of it, suddenly he's, you know. I don't know. I like this fight. You think Tyson Pedro's the goods? No. I, dude. Tyson Pedro probably wins this fight, but that's because of how bad Shogun is at this point. Shogun just got washed by our boy uh, Anthony Smith. Yeah, but Shogun you know? had that three-fight sneaky win streak before that, all right? Okay, rising prospect Anthony Smith with 13 losses took uh, whatever was left of Shogun's soul. I don't think that he's got any goods left. I think Tyson – they put that fight on in Australia for a reason, for Tyson to get some home crowd love. I think he's going to go out there and finish him. By the way, you forgot the other fight on this card that's a cool fight. Washed Mark Hunt. Yes. Let me just – wow, wow. <laughs> uh, I'm always down for a Mark Hunt banger. Was he suing the UFC at one point? He did get a raw <laughs> deal with that Brock Lesnar situation. Let's not but, lie about that. But that, but that lawsuit just kind of went away, and he's fought like four times yeah, since. Yeah, because – no, but he was quoted as saying he needed the money. He wanted to like stand out because of principle, but he needs the money, so he went back in. Um He's on a low, there's a tough run. Outside of that Derek Lewis late knockout in New Zealand in 2017, he hasn't won since that knockout of Frank Mir. That's been a long, that was a washed Frank Mir too. That was a long ass time ago. Uh, this is the end for Mark Hunt, but he's fighting Justin Willis, seven and one record. I don't know much about Justin Willis. I'm not going to lie to you. This is again, this is another one of these guys that He's ranked in the UFC, but nobody knows who he is because of how bad the heavyweight division is and how they just keep retreading everybody. But, hey, if he shows out against Mark Hunt, maybe he's another guy that they start to push because they need new bodies. They need fresh faces in that division to start pushing these old guys out. It's time. Can we reset that heavyweight division finally? It's time. Hey, Yushin Okami back on the undercard. Wilson Hayes as well, the flyweight former title challenger. Not the best undercard. This probably could have been one combined card. Come on, UFC. Come on. Yeah. Come on. We we don't need to do this. But uh hey, well, I'll be watching uh in some form. Actually, I won't be watching. I won't lie. No, to you're not. I'll be in L.A. <laughs> on Saturday night for Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. Do you care about that fight, Brandon Wise? Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury? Yeah, I said it. What if I said no? You don't mean that. <laughs> no, I very much care. I, I'm starting to get into all access. I watched it a lot this weekend. I'm very intrigued by everything going on in Tyson Fury's life now. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait for that fight. I, I am a, I have made you a believer in the power of the bronze bomber. That so I need this to continue and for him to keep winning so that I can continue to remind you, Hey, I told you Ty- Deontay Wilder was the truth before all of this started. Yeah, you did. FIFA, fun, fun. I'm the man with the right hand bomb. Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Um, yeah, we had Deontay Wilder, by the way, on this week. So any of you who do care about that fantastic Showtime pay-per-view heavyweight championship, two unbeatens, two giants, six, seven against six, nine, the current WBC champion Wilder against the lineal champion Tyson Fury coming back from two and a half years off. Due to mental health and drug issues, we had Deontay Wilder for a lengthy, fun sit-down interview in which he really gets into the mental game. Wise man, he transforms into this character called the Bronze Bomber. And when his eyes get crazy, I feel like there's like like 
like like the movie Ghost, like some spirits jumping into his soul and turning him into a straight-up killer. This is going to be a fun fight. This is the kind of chess match I get down with. Wild puncher against slick boxer. Styles still make fights-wise. Who you got? Who you got? Oh, I got the Bronze Bomber all day. I think as crafty as De- as uh, Tyson Fury is that Deontay, that power is just so real, man. I don't think I don't think Tyson has the knockout power that he once did or may have thought he did. No, no, no. He's a slickster. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have that power. But hey, you want to hear my prediction? Listen to the super size show we have this week on the Box Pod. Hey, special thanks to our guests this week, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman, two top flight UFC welterweights, one the interim champion in Covington, probably getting Woodley next. Usman Friday night against RDA. You could be seeing these two on the road to facing each other. Fired up for that, wise man. You got any closing thoughts to the listeners out there, to the people? I got nothing. All right, that's it. We're going to leave it like that. (laughs) We out.